On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick will be recapping the top Star Wars moments of 2023, complete with their personal top fives. Before that, though, the dudes will hit on the latest Mandalorian Season 4 rumors and a sequel trilogy reveal that shows just how chaotic the story got thanks to having too many cooks in the writing room kitchen. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch Chewy. Let's do it. Hey, now, everybody! It's Star Wars Time Show, end of the year. It's Star Wars Time Show, end of the year. Hey, that's why we need a Fred. I told you people, I can't do it all myself. But welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show, the final SWTS of 2023. Super smooth transition, Bat. That's how we roll. He's on the live stream. You all don't know what you're missing out if you if you skip the live streams. Tuesdays, 5 p.e. YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Uh, we've been doing this for three solid years now, at least one time a week, and we have yet to been able to, as they would say in the business, hit the post. Okay. <laughs> we 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 completely we go right, we go left, we go wide right, wide left, over it, short, we never hit it. But that is what you get with the SWTS. So uh this is our last show of the year. We're taking next week off. Uh I know we promised you some content, but guess what? Life happened. Right. People have lives. When we shit is move free some stuff around. Shit is free, and we weren't able to record Scoundrels last week due to uh, one of the team members, his uh, old lady, kind of roped him into something, and, and as Nick said, life happened, all right? There's nothing you can do. Like I said, free is free. I'm never going to complain about people that have better things to do than talk to Nick and I, all right? We understand. It's not, it's not, you, it's not something you circle on the calendar, each month like ooh, i get to talk to these idiots uh so um uh, chapter four of scoundrels is going to be pushed back to 2024 hopefully end of january something like that but you know us i mean we are two gas bags we have multiple shows still left to process for clips so uh over the next week or so i will be busting out star wars time show clips from the end of the year for you all to consume love and definitely not share because no one shares our shit period and that's why we love you all uh you might as well you know why why change anything now we've been going for so long let's just keep spinning our tires in the mud staying stuck in the same fucking spot because that is how we roll all right so we got all sorts of fun stuff today we've got some official star wars uh, news to get into dave talking about thron nick's favorite guy tic-tac-toe thron not chest thron you know okay we, we always have to clarify that on the show for nick uh, Adam Driver dropped some interesting stuff that will get Nick worked up. I mean, too bad this didn't happen a few weeks ago because it pretty much played right into our sequel trilogy. What if, you know, what if Dave Filoni CCO'd that shit? 
Uh, more Mandalorian season four nonsense. We're not going to waste a lot of your time, as Nick said. And and I was like, dude, that's that's the segment when we get there. Say the same <laughs> thing. But it, it's like I I just got to start trusting only making Star Wars investment bulletin. Fuck these hot mic people, this, that and the other thing. But yeah, we have another update on the Mandalorian season four. And I'm saying season again because it is a show once more. I know it changes every week here <laughs> on the SWTS. And then to round out the year, like we do every time the uh, third rock from the sun makes its trip around that lovely glowing orange star. We're going to break down our top star Wars moments of 2023. So, I mean, they be, they could be coming from bad batch visions, Ahsoka, Mando, star Wars celebration, Europe, First time in a few years it was over there. So that's how we're going to close things out. Obviously, fan segment, all that fun stuff. But before we get to all that, like I said last week, we're going to start asking you all to ask us questions. And luckily, the 10 of you that see our posts on Instagram, you you still like to play along. So, Nick, if you'll allow me here, I'd like to bring up two questions the fans have for us that they would like us to answer. Of course, I'm not prepared and do not have the appropriate Slack channel open, but that's okay. We will get there. All right. So our boy Rippick Tan again, like I said, you can always count on Rippick for catching one of the questions, either question to the fans, which we'll also do this week, or question from fans. And, and what Rippick is asking us, Nick, did you guys have a good year? How are you celebrating the holidays? Um, so I'm just going back home to New Orleans for the holidays. Uh, I'm leaving on Saturday and won't be back until the 29th. So I'll be out until right before New Year's. And yeah, I mean, 2024 was a, was a, or 2023 was a decent year. It's, uh, got into the new house, um, got a new job and yeah, I mean, had some decent Star Wars stuff to watch, so can't complain about too much. Obviously, there's a shitload anybody can complain about in life, but is it really worth uh, looking back on 2023 about all the stuff that sucked? No, you look back on the stuff that was really cool. So, yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry, Rippick, you got me, Mr. Glass Half Empty. So unlike Nick, I do like reflecting on shitty things, and 2023 was full of them. At least the second half of it. I, the first half of 2023 was going pretty well. Wasn't breaking any bones. Felt like a mang, you know, installed a new deck, put in some wood flooring down in SWTS HQ. And then the first week of August hit and I had my second serious accident on the one wheel, which uh, sent me into one of the darkest depressions I've been in in my uh, adulthood. Uh, 40s is no joke. It's not a fun time for me right now. I'm trying. Uh, and then I, I did some other shit in life that made my fall not so hot. So I'm ready for 2023 to move on. And like Nick said, I, I probably should stop reflecting on the, the shit of it. But uh, one of my worst years, I would say, um, as a human. So boo his yuck on that. And in terms of celebrating the holidays, I'm already off for my four week break. So that's great hit top golf yesterday played pebble beach virtual that was really fun it was in the snow even up here in the north 
uh, but really just hanging low. Mommy's coming up from Florida. It's it's our turn to get the uh, the old bag at, at Christmas. So that that I'm excited for that. But we'll be laying low, hanging with the family, everyone off, enjoying what Mother Earth gives us to make us feel mentally better, and obviously drinking some of the poison that man has made from what Mother Earth has has given us to make us. Um, you know, more jovial while also deleting brain cells. So that's my plan. All right, ne- next one here. Okay, that's the wrong arrow there, dummy. All right, next one. <laughs> Coming from our boy Bat, 2797 Studios. Putting away the one wheel in 2024, question mark. Well, Nick, I... I'm assuming that's that's targeted at me because I, I know... It seems like it. <laughs> I, I know you didn't reach out when they uh, announced the new one wheel model the st and because you didn't reach out i I figured you weren't looking to buy so no (laughs) i um i still have the one wheel bat i actually was just on it this past weekend Uh, i go really really slow now and mostly just ride it in the grass so um i can't say that i'm going to be putting it away but I think I've mostly been reduced to riding it like an old white man would ride it versus trying to ride it like a cool white man would ride it. So that's where I'm at with the one wheel at this point in time. Thank you. There you go. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. No one, no one wheeling for me. No worries there. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know, man. I, I can't really recommend them anymore either. It's, they're just too, they're too fucking dangerous. <laughs> But they are fun as shit. All right, Bango, not enough alcohol in the world. That is right. David Chavez, how's it going? Welcome to the stream. Linda's here. Bango, drinking and listening to the Star Wars Time Show. That is the best way to listen to the Star Wars Time Show. I mean, honestly, if I wasn't such a weirdo, this would be a great episode to have a drinking Star Wars Time Show. But because I... I worry about the way I look too much. I um, I don't want to drink today. So that's that. All right, dude, before we get into Star Wars, I uh, I just have a, a quick little pop culture tidbit to touch on here for fans of the pop sea. Uh, checked out the new Wonka movie last week, the one starring Timothy Chalamet. And uh, short, sweet review. It's fucking awesome. It is... As as spiritually connected to Gene Gene's Willy Wonka as it gets, I, I mean, it is everything you could want for in a in a in a prequel. It really is a prequel to the Wilder Willy Wonka, which is the Willy Wonka. And and don't yeah. don't get me wrong, I, I I actually enjoy the Johnny Depp Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's it's not bad. It, it's it's an interesting take. Tim Burton always is. I like the the way the guy, the way his mind works. I like his eye and just how he kind of sees cinema. But when you really break things down, Willy Wonka, yes, I know it's based on Rawls' book, but it's always been for me, Gene Wilder. Okay, Mm -hmm. like that that is that is Willy Wonka, and Nick, this the Chalamet led version captures that essence perfectly. I mean, yeah. the, the the song is in there, you know, come and see, blah, blah, blue, yeah, wow, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 it, it just, it, it hits all the nostalgia you could want while 
being a full-on musical. I, I, do, do you consider the original Wonka a musical or it just has some tunes here and there? That- See, that's that's a hard question. I don't I don't consider it a musical, yeah, but like every there is, you know, essentially a musical part for every child in that, you know, in the factory. And then obviously the musical ditties that happened prior to getting to the chocolate factory. So there is like a lot of musical moments, but I do think that it doesn't qualify as a musical. Yeah. So So this one I would say does because yes, it has the singing, but it then it adds in big dance numbers. Maybe that's, that's the difference. That's what makes a a musical, Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's fucking fantastic. Timothy Chalamet. I mean, if if you've been missing out on this dude, he is a bona fide superstar. Uh, it's weird because he, he is so twinkish, but he works across genres. I mean, he is fantastic as a, a young Wonka. He's got the dancing down, the singing down, the charisma, you know, the spitting lines like Willie does, kind of nonsensical stuff, making up words. It, it, it's just great. Uh, Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa, fantastic. The kind of the origin story of them is 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 excellent. Uh, the the story itself and how Willie gets started and and his first run-ins with Slugworth and some of the other chocolatiers, it just I don't know if it could have been done any better. It, it is a it's a fucking ten out of ten. It I, nice. I I just I really as I was telling Nick before we went live, I might go again tomorrow. Not even a week from when I initially saw it when it debuted last I Thursday. Do, yeah. I mean, that is one movie like Taylor is already out of town. Um, she left uh, yesterday to go overseas to see her parents for Christmas. Uh, but that is a movie that we both want to see in theaters because like I grew up with the Gene Wilder, uh, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I mean, it was fantastic. I still watch it probably once a year um, to this day just because like. You know, while while the Johnny Depp one was was fun to watch, it just didn't have that like magical quality that the Gene Wilder one True. had. And like I can watch that movie at any point and just feel transfixed by it. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see Wonka. It is gonna like hit me right in my childhood when I see it for sure. Um and yeah, I mean like honestly. Of everything that has released in theaters recently, that this might be the thing that I'm kind of most excited for, you know, like it's just it it has everything that nostalgia that I want from it. And it kind of, you know, I saw an article and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I saw an article was like, well, you know, what made Wonka a box office success versus something like the Marvel's? And it's like, to me, that was one of the stupidest headlines I've ever seen because you're comparing two, two movies that are so dissimilar from each other, even in their like franchise history that, that the article just doesn't even make sense. Like Wonka has been a movie that doesn't have a ton of like franchise behind it. The last one was made a very long time ago and it's and it's something that's beloved from you know decades ago that that still holds a place in in the hearts of people my age or even older um that is like a a new fresh take on the franchise that isn't trying to retread what has already been done like the like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie with with Johnny Depp did so i feel like those two movies are just very different and um this one you know 
it being as good as you said, Matt, deserves to have a box office of, of the type that it's getting now. So I'm super good. happy yeah, to I, see that as successful. Okay. Yeah. I didn't look at, at how it did last weekend, but I, I it sounds like it's, 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 it's like over a hundred million oh, good. dollars. Fantastic. Like it's fantastic. You know. And you know what, Nick, that, that means word of mouth is already kicking in. Cause I also don't feel like they really heavily promoted this one because of the strike. I mean, it, it's not like I didn't see, Timmy out there all fall pumping it up. I barely saw trailers. Who knows? I could just be missing the yeah. shit. And, and right now too, it's like, it's a limited release. Like it's not even, it's in 699 theaters. So it oh, hasn't yeah, even hit. It's barely, it's barely yeah. in the United States. Uh, but $152 million worldwide Good. thus far. So, I mean, and, and, I think that it has done well. And Nick, yeah. I feel that they, they leave it in a place that they could make more in this era without stepping on Gene's film. And, and like you, yeah. I agree. I, that, that was the important thing. And as I said, it, it, does, it, does, it feels like a natural predecessor to it. it. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be it, change it, retcon anything. It really is. Here's the arrival of of Willie after all of his adventures to learn how to make the greatest chocolate in the world. And uh, it's framed in a musical, but that that really doesn't matter. I I mean, I'll I'll, I'll admit it here. I actually kind of dig musicals. I don't know why, but I do. Yeah, I remember you like The Greatest Showman. I love love The Greatest Showman, dude. It's been a while since I've seen it, and and I'm putting that on the uh, holiday watch list along with the you know, 11 Star Wars movies. And you know what? I was also thinking, Nick, I almost feel obligated to, to watch Harry Potter too. Cause every movie is, has like a Christmas punch, right? I mean, it, uh, it does have a Christmas. Yeah. Most of them have a Christmas scene or something like that. We actually, uh, watched the first Harry Potter movie with one of our friends, uh, last Friday, uh, cause she had never seen any of them and she was, we we're like, we're going to do watch party. We'll come like, just come over. We'll watch them all in order and see how, you know, like, see what you think about them. And yeah, I think that, that Harry Potter is a solid holiday watch for sure. I watched Krampus for the first time over the weekend. I, I I've, I've never watched that one. It was, you know, I, mean, I wouldn't say super scary, but it, it's decent. I still need to rewatch Violent Night. It's on Amazon oh, yeah. now. That, that's just it. Is, I'm telling you, if you, if no one, if you haven't seen Violent Night yet, and you have Amazon Prime, make sure you and the um, the older people in your house watch that. You definitely don't want to play that for the the believers. For the children. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. While, while the magic is still in there, it's, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> There's some like John Wick style killing it. Ho, oh, hold on, League extraordinary Sixers. Thank you very much for that super chat. Happy holidays to you. We appreciate you and we speak your name. Love that. Um, always appreciate you fans, but none of you fans made our top list of 2023. So um, <laughs> that, that one guy, Nick, that showed up out of the blue and gave us like $500. He didn't even make the cut, but I, I did consider it in the in my choices for the top five here there you go there you go <laughs> we try to stick to to star wars content moments <laughs> but no but, we, uh, i appreciate just, appreciate that league you've been a, yeah. a nice addition to the swts family as we call it uh th- this past year you've really kind of been getting there getting involved yeah. in the discord and obviously on the live so we we appreciate and we speak your name just, 
We we appreciate all of our fans. Thank you all for for supporting us through the the many years that we've been doing. That's this. right. I, I mean, with with these types of donations, I don't have to suck as much dick on the weekend as I used to. Okay, there you so go. thank you. Just to keep everything running. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. These servers are expensive, and those IT guys they like they like very specific payments. <laughs> okay, so yeah, just to put Wonka to bed, it's fantastic. Uh, and and Nick, it's uh, I'm assuming you're like me. Music moves you, and and when you hear the the tones and the themes of pure imagination, it's hard not to be like, oh, oh, Willie. All right, really great stuff. Like I can't. It's it's probably one of the best. <laughs> it, it it might be one of my favorite movies of the year, if not the the top. It's like Barbie Oppenheimer Wonka. There we go. Nice. There we nice. go. There we go. All right. Let's talk about some Star Wars considering this is the Star Wars time show. All right. We'll see you, Big Timmy. Stunt Buddy's actually done a project with Timmy and said the guy is a fucking gem of a human. Like Wow. Like a nice. real, real deal pimp. We'll see you again in Dune 2, my friend. All right. So, Nick... You know, a few weeks ago on this show, because we're so creative and we like to give our fans what they want, we, we did a special topic on, hey, what if Dave Filoni was CCO during the genesis of the sequel trilogy? What, what sort of suggestions would he have made to the narratives that the various writers and directors were um, putting forth? And I believe it was you and, you know, I was like, well, I think that's how Colin Trevorrow is running it. But weren't you kind of adamant that that Kylo should have stayed as the big bad, right? He, he, yeah. He should have, after killing Snoke, assuming his mantle, that, that he should have been the dude. He would have achieved his, his Vader dreams, right? Wasn't that kind of exactly. what you were yeah. angling at? Yeah, if you go back and listen to that, it was definitely, like, my ideas for... Uh, Kylo Ren in the ninth movie were were more of like him being the head of the First Order and the struggles therein, you know, like him struggling with leadership, him struggling with this massive behemoth of the First Order that is now solely under his control and, and, and really seeing his degradation, not only as a force user, but as a person happening right in front of your eyes and, and the madness that would come from that. So... Um, yeah, that was definitely something that okay. I would have liked to see well, for, for episode it, it's, nine. It's funny you bring that up, because guess what? That's what some of the creatives and, and the, the actor of Kylo Ren wanted to see, too. And apparently that was the character's arc until, you know, what I find kinda, like kind of kind of shit the bed here. <laughs> yeah, like what, what I find very interesting about this, and obviously we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into it, but like... Um, from what I, I gather that Adam said is like this was also JJ's plan too, correct? Like Yeah, Nick. So I'll I'll read it and then we can kind of rip it up. But yeah, I'm with you. The he he mentions is is JJ. That, okay. That's pretty much what we're all leaning here. So this came up the, the reason this came up is like last week apparently he, he was on the Rich Eisen show. I uh, who I thought Rich Eisen was like a sports guy. Who who knows? Whatever. He he was doing a show on the Roku channel, talking to Adam Driver, and of course he asked asked him about his time on Star Wars and and Adam kind of got pretty honest and, and laid this out there and this is what we're reacting to but before that because we are hooers shout out to B-Mad our biggest contributor of the year 
dropping another super chat. We love you, buddy. Thank you, thank we, you. we really do. All your dedication, all your kind words, your comments. He's saying it's insane how many actors in Star Wars felt like their characters were poorly written but couldn't change anything. Yes. Yeah. That's what we've been trying to tell you about the prequels, but a lot of you just will not believe it. In fact, I should have brought this up in Discord. I I, I think it was Tones or League shared a really cool supercut of of kind of Anakin's journey. And I shit you not, if you watch it, Nick, every clip from the prequels is less than than any other clip of Anakin Skywalker. It's just it's 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 clear. It, it's audibly clear. You can hear you can hear Hayden acting like a dickhead because that's how he was told to act. Then you hear Hayden in Kenobi or Ahsoka and it's like, oh, shit, that's that's Anakin Skywalker. He doesn't sound like a slapdick. So that that's all we've been tra- or mostly me just like try to take those rose tinted prequel glasses off and really analyze the performances versus some of the other films. I mean, shit. The sequels have by far the worst narrative, but probably the best overall acting across the movies. Yeah. Like I'm an OT boy, but, but there's, there's some lazy shit in the OT as well, especially the first one, because the first one at this point in time looks like Nick and I made it Mm -hmm. for our USC class for $10. Yeah. (laughs) The, the the budget on the first one was definitely held it back, which is probably what spurred uh, George yeah, to be it, like, we need to go touch these up pretty. Yeah, let's I mean, go. It, it really does. I <laughs> love the ahead. movie and it makes me feel bad to even say this, but it, it, it really looks like a fan film at this point in time. Like, like you can tell George paid for it by himself. And yeah. yes, there I'm doing my, my sign of the cross. So I'm not going to get struck down by Sith lightning, but yeah. So, <laughs> um, Oh, it was tones that shared it. But if you're in our discord, just with an open mind, go watch that, that supercut. And tell me that the Anakin prequel scenes are of the same quality across the board as any other Anakin scene you see there. Yeah. It's not even close. It's... That that proves our point. Enough said. Moving back to Ben Solo. Um, all right. So, Nick, here's what he said. I had an overall arc in mind that he want that he wanted to do. That he, like Nick said, is, is JJ. Yes. Which then changed. His idea was almost the opposite journey of Vader, where Vader starts the most confident, the most committed to the dark side. And by the last movie, he's the most vulnerable and weak. And he wanted to start at the opposite, where this character being Kylo was the most confused and vulnerable to start. But by the end of the three movies would be most committed to the dark side. So essentially a reverse journey of Vader to where he goes from unsure of himself to fully committed, like Nick was saying, to being a scion of the dark side. Yeah. I mean, and you can see that in TFA, you know, that that's what that whole moment on the Starkiller bridge was with Han, the, the emotional attachment that he still had to his father, the emotional attachment that he still had to his old self, to, to Ben Solo and, and saying, you know, in that scene, like, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And, and, and that, that whole scene was to show the, the tenuous bonds that he still had with his old life. And like, was he ready to fully dedicate himself to the dark side and, and, and really embody that as his new path. And, uh, you know, I think that that scene was a perfect setup for what that original journey Oh, was yeah. you know envisioned to be 
and as you know, Adam goes on to say, like, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure that there was any specific derail that happened for that in TLJ, you know, like, no, no, Nick, he actually went on to say, he's like, while Ryan shifted the arc a bit, he felt like it was still mostly intact by the end of TLJ. And it was like, if you think about it, Kylo, more, more, you know, he, he was literally as, as Nick has been putting out that he was starting to go nuts. Like he, he was, he was getting insane. And what, 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 I, I guess what is confusing here is like, Okay, like obviously we know all of the issues that, you know, that that sprang from, you know, the the writer director switch for episode 2 and then switch back for well, for episode 8 and then switch back for 9, but like I don't know why that storyline in particular like Kylo's descent into darkness was shifted. I wonder if that was like feedback from executives or if that was like apprehension on JJ's side or, or like what really happened there? Because realistically JJ comes in this movie and it's a fucking disaster. Like JJ comes into episode right, nine. Cause, Cause if JJ's the he Nick that we, that we think it is, then why didn't he try to continue that? Ex- Cause I mean, exactly. Kylo was still, evil he he told ray fuck off i don't i don't want to team up with you i don't want to be good i want to be the supreme chancellor and rule the galaxy so i guess i guess was do you do you think jj was forced into this yeah i mean it's it's really hard to be able to tell you know because i mean like just think of it timeline wise oh hold on nick i hate to cut you off okay. but we got to honor our, our paying customers paying here customers. So david chavez i look forward to your show weekly with a ten dollar super hey, chat thank you love so you david much. we look forward to you as well and thank you for the donation thank you and our boy a rancher devin with a happy holidays we love you pal we speak your name thank you. hoping for a, a huge 2024 for you and props if he ever comes back. He he's just become too big in the Star Wars universe. He's got he a is, lot going he, on. He's moved on. But no, I mean I'm I'm super happy for props. He's achieving life goals that I I wish I would have achieved at some point in time. But that dude's gonna be in a Star Wars show in the next five years. I bet. Amazing. Mark mark my words. But thank you both of you. We spoke your names. All right. Sorry, Indeed. Nick. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, uh, like. The thing for me is, you know, like where, where did this derail? Because if we look at like timeline wise, I mean, 2017 is when TF or TLJ released. So at that point, Colin was still signed on to direct the next movie. Like he was like when TLJ released, it was still Colin Trevorrow and his writing partner that were on Tross or whatever Tross would have been named. You know, they were on episode nine. And then shortly after the the solo debacle and and you know the 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 outcry from TLJ is when he leaves. And it's at that moment where it's like, oh shit, crunch time, like who do we get? And then it falls back to JJ. So we all have to remember that like. Tross was essentially written, filmed, edited, directed, all of that in the period of time between Colin bowing out or being fired, whatever, him leaving, and when Tross comes out. So less than two years. Yeah, I, 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 you're right. It did not get 
two years of development like the other movies did. Yeah. I th- it, Nick, it might have been 18 months if, max. Yeah, I mean, if that, because you have to figure that J.J. and Chris Terrio are like, well, okay, well, we have to write a whole script. And we well, have because yeah, they're like how we, we would never take someone else's writing, even though Colin literally has the movie from start to finish. I mean, do, do everyone remembers the the, the whole the Trevor. Yeah. yeah, like storyboards and everything. I mean, the dude had a pretty damn good story, in my opinion. But this is where Nick, I believe Kyla was still going to be hardcore. But I, this is where I think. Colin was thinking about bringing in like some like random a, Sith from right, the middle of right. space that like nobody so, had ever heard of. So, so maybe, maybe that's where JJ and, and Terry were like, eh, well, you know, so maybe if, we if, can do a version of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take the long way around, but maybe that's where like, Oh, well, Colin was still going to have this, but yeah. So well, we'll just make it somehow Palpatine return. Yeah. So I mean, as much as, you know, Tross deserves the guff that it gets, I do think that it's like, well, you try to to write and direct and do post and it, like essentially make a movie, make a $250 million budget movie in less than two years with no notice. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a hard task. And I'm not saying that, that he should, you know, like what, whatever, like that, that it's forgivable or anything like that. But it, we do have to remember all of the bullshit. And not only that, like the, the Carrie Fisher angle of it, like Carrie, that, that's away still, and, you know, that's still the biggest fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, that is that we all forget about that, but and and who knows, maybe we'll, we'll get a second helping of it. If Dave does get to make more Ahsoka with, with Ray's passing, but when you have a main character die of that ilk, I yeah. mean, she is Star Wars royalty, literally in universe and out of universe. Yeah. It's it's impossible to ever get back to where you wanted to go. And I mean, you have to imagine, too, like like you said, main character. And we're not saying main character because Leia was the main character in the in the OT. Like episode no, nine was supposed to be her movie was hers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's no longer there. And Luke Skywalker's dead and Han Solo's dead. And I'm sure that after Han fell down that shaft in 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 Starkiller base, Harrison Ford was like, I'm done, baby. No Sweet. more calls from Star Wars ever again. And then, of course, he makes his cameo back in episode nine. And, you know, Mark has to do some work for episode nine as well. So that movie was just honestly, we were if you listen to all of our podcasts leading up to it, like we were trying to be as as like as hopeful as possible. We're like, man, it's, it's going to be great. Like there's this, all <laughs> even those, after all we, this we've read the whole script, we're yeah. like, oh, okay, and, yeah, it's good. And then, <laughs> you know, all the uh, while knowing well that this movie was, was almost a disaster from, from the beginning, just given all of the issues with it, your, your, your writing and directing team drops out less than two years supposed before it's supposed to come out. You're, you're, second or third lead in this movie passes away prior to development. It it was, it was doomed from the moment that Colin left and it was really in a bad spot from the moment that Carrie passed. And really, I just don't know. It's like, it feels like JJ got in there. He was like, I have to come up with something, but all of this shit has changed. So what do I do? And then, he probably had people in his ear, either at 
being executives or outside influences, just being like, well, just, just bring it back to Palpatine, just bring it back to Palpatine where it all started. And you know, it's, it's really hard to, to really figure I, out what happened at that point. I, I do. I, I'm with you. I, I do think someone ultimately kind of put the thumb on him. Like, Hey dude, th- th- you know, narratively this is dumb, but it'll be a, it'll get a fan pop and Hey, Ian's free. Fuck it. Yeah. So Do it. Punch I, it up. I mean, who knows? It's it's a shame. I mean, I feel like we've been revisiting the sequels more than we usually do the, the, this past month or so, but it, it's just like, it's a shame. That, that's all you can say about it. I, everything about it is a, is a shame because there was so much potential to close out the Skywalker saga on just an amazing note. And for all the dumb decisions, we, we got what we got. And it's all you can really, all we can do is listen to people like Adam Driver tell us about what was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, what, what, what could have been. And pretend. Yeah, you like, know? yeah. And Finn leading an army on Coruscant. Yay. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, somehow Palpatine returned, though. Yay. Yeah. I mean, all right. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Oh, the Lord of Thane showing up. What up, nice. David Chavez? Thank you again, Lord of Thane. Welcome. Okay. All right. Enough lamenting now, about the. Yeah, I was gonna say this guy. Our next story, Dave Filoni. He he's gonna be in the next issue of Empire. So we got a tease of it today, Nick. And I guess in the issue, maybe he he dives a little bit deeper into his plans for live action Thrawn. But as we said a few weeks ago, if Dave was around in a CCO role way back in 2013-14, we wouldn't be having these conversations. Adam Driver wouldn't be going on Rich Eisen's show saying, oh yeah, hey, my character got completely fucked up. But hey, whatever. I got through it. I'm still acting, so it didn't kill my career. Life is good. But... Floney, as I said in this new article, Nick, he uh, just kind of talking about the future of some of his characters now that they've been brought over to live action, uh, in particular Thrawn and Our Lady in Green. But he he kind of teased some somewhat obvious narrative threads that we're probably going to see in the Mandoverse, be it Mando season four or if Ahsoka gets a second season. But uh, kind of what he is setting up here for your boy, Tic-Tac-Toe Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Remember, over here, he's Tic-Tac-Toe Thrawn. Live-action Thrawn is not 4D chess. He, he's Tic-Tac-Toe. could never reach that level in live-action. Right. <laughs> but anyways, we remember, and, and this is coming from Dave, right? Remember that this, this Captain Pallion was set up in Man- Mandalorian Season 3? You know, Nick and I were super intelligent, and we're like, hey, that, that's not just for fun. Okay, that, that, that's called building layers. You, you're going to go somewhere with this. And, and sure enough, that's exactly where Dave's starting out here. Dave says, yo, we, we set up Captain Paleon in The Mandalorian, and that's a character that goes with Thrawn. So I'd love to see the two of them together, which, it's, like I said, I mean, I'm not a reader of the books. Words and shit aren't my thing. But I do know that Paleon was established an heir to the Empire as one of Thrawn's right hands. So it, it's always made complete sense that in the Mandoverse, these two are going to link up. I mean, hell, Paleon was stumping for lost Thrawn back in the Mandoverse. 
And we'll, we'll come back to this, Nick, because Lars has a quote that, that makes sense for the character and what's happening with the Empire during this era. So, like I said, Lars had a quote in this piece, and he says, you know, what, what, what's, what's Thrawn going to be doing now that he's back in the known galaxy? And he says, straighten out all the others and tidy up the shop. I could imagine something in terms of a power play within the Empire. So I think in, in you know, we did our Ahsoka season two, if it's going to happen, breakdown, we, we, we kind of talked about it. it it's going to make a ton of sense for, for Paleon, Thrawn to seek each other out initially. Mm-hmm. And th- they probably will try to exert their vision on the Shadow Council. And, and it sounds like even Lars is kind of in that, that headspace right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, like you said, these characters have been linked together since, you know, old EU times. And now with the inclusion of Pelion in live action, Star Wars was pretty obvious, like where this was going. Um, what I will say is like, you know, prior at the end of Mandalorian season three, like you and I discussed, like is, 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 you know, Gideon really dead? Like is, is Moff Gideon really off the table? And honestly, like given what we know now and like where we're sitting in the star Wars galaxy, I don't feel like there's enough time to both address the, the, the kind of recombining of forces between Pelion and Thrawn and also deal with this potential outlier, like this potential, uh, like, you know, you know, gum in the gears of Gideon wanting to be the leader of the Imperial remnant and then Thrawn having to kind of deal with him and then moving forward. I almost feel like the the Gideon angle of this may not be as large as we once thought, even though um, we do have some hints from Giancarlo that there may still be, uh, you know, versions of Gideon still out there. I just find yeah. it hard to figure out like, okay, well, if we're working with a limited time, like we have Mando season four, we have Ahsoka season two, and then essentially we have like, okay, it's, it's crossover time, baby. It's, 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 it's big movie time. And then like where, where in that time period do you really have to have the opportunity to deal with a Gideon coming back? Unless he just like, you know, welcomes himself back into the fold and and falls in line under Thrawn. I honestly, I, I think that's how it would go if it happens, and it would probably be during the Mandalorian run, since yeah. he is a Mandalorian villain. It, it, to me, Nick, it would be, I don't really see the council giving Thrawn much of any gruff outside of Gideon, exactly. to be honest. Exactly. So I, 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 even Lars saying here, like in terms of a power play, that that's the only thing that, that leads me to believe that they're they they are gonna have something play out between these two yeah it can't it can't uh, be anything like long tail like i don't unless no. they literally take like you said they take mandalorian season four and they're like okay this is this is what we're gonna do in mandalorian season four we're gonna have thrawn essentially you know like like lars says you know straighten out and tidy up shop exactly you know exactly but then like at the end gideon's gonna come in and and almost fuck it up yeah so, something like that or like the straightening up and, and tidying up is like it's thrawn immediately being like hey you the guy that i know is going to try to fuck with me i'm going to straighten you out first and then everything okay, yeah. else will fall in line after that like yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you i don't think it's a huge 
imperial thread yeah uh it, it could be something resolved in probably an episode or two he's just like gideon shows up try tries to flex and and at that point thron's just like yeah thron nah, dude listen listen like let's i'm back i'm the i'm the smart one or at least that's what people used to tell me when mm-hmm. i was in the books so listen to me pal you tried you fucked up so now it's my turn something like that yeah yeah i think that that would be how that would work out. All right. for sure. And really the, the last little tease here for the future of the Mandiverse from Mr. Filoni is um, Dave kind of sets up who his biggest foe is going to be outside of potentially other Imperials because we know they're not all just going to play along. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think this should be surprising to people, but here's what Dave said. Uh, who... who uh, Thrawn's biggest foe is going to be in the future of the Mandoverse. His foil throughout Rebels was Hera. Pitting the two generals against one another is something that I find interesting. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't raise any alarm bells for sure. You know? (laughs) And and it really was. Like, if you go back, I I know a lot of us, we, we just go right to the finale and Ezra's big sacrifice. But, you know, Hera was captured before. He was always trying to take out Hera because he knew she was kind of the glue for for the phoenix squadron or the ghost crew a la phoenix so yeah i mean all that all that makes sense you would think that um and and we kind of put this out there though i mean ezra could kind of get into his own thing maybe looking for force users or putting most of his time into trying to figure out a way to get sabine and ahsoka back so it does sound like we're going to have green versus blue. Those those are going to be the main figureheads with the underlings kind of doing the, the side narratives and whatnot. Agree. Yeah, um, I, I think so. You, you just wonder, do you, do you think the new Republic is going to give Hera shit still though, because of, I think it's the new Republic <laughs> before I get to that huge shout out Nova Toymation with the oh, super chat donation. What's going on today? Um, Nova Toy Mission says, thanks for another year of laughs and great conversations. Looking forward to more SWTS in 2024. Well, there will be plenty more. Thank you so much, Nova, for your donation. You know what it is, Nick? I almost feel like we're service workers and we're getting our tip at the end of the year, like like garbage men or doormen or, you know, if you're in a city (laughs) and and you have a parking garage attendant, I like it. I like this. This is fun. Thank you so much. We're going to do another show next week. (laughs) While while everyone's feeling festive, let's just keep running show. (laughs) That's right. No, thank you. Holy shit. Revenues are off the charts in December, (laughs) Nick. That's right. What's going on here? That's right. Thank Uh, you. That's awesome. Love you, Nova. and, And also, the, the the stern show connection with a few of you i, I know nova's a big one my too so but um uh, so yeah i mean like what what you so back to what i was saying and what you asked me like can the can the new republic really say hera you're full of shit anymore it's like at this point it's kind of it's kind of hard to do that you know i know that the only option is like if they are going to give her any sort of guff it would have to be right in the beginning because because of Thrawn's location where he came back in, Dathmir, Dathmir is typically not a planet that is heavily surveyed by the New Republic or, you know, like the 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 good side of the of the Star Wars universe. So maybe they wouldn't be immediately aware of his re-entrance right away. But like you would imagine that as soon as they lay eyes on Ezra, as soon as Ezra is corroborating everything that Hera says. 
And if they even put an ounce of energy into like verifying these stories, then it's like, okay, well, we can't like us giving, you know, you shit Hera is out the window. Like it's just, it can't be done. You would hope so. (laughs) You know? Yeah, if, if Ziono gives her shit, he he should just be shot in the head and kicked out an airlock. Yeah, I mean, I know if, that that's overdoing it, but that's a guy that needs killed twice. Yeah, I mean, we know that Ziono sticks around until you know the TFA timeline into the sequel trilogy, but like his tune has to change pretty quickly now that the Chimera has successfully right. made its way back into the known universe so yeah i want i wanted to get uh, like yeah. a hollow and be like see it do you see it now do you see it now ziono is this good enough evidence for you yeah i mean come you on pussy you soft sack of shit you non-fighter so yeah i just i i like you were asking is this it would be nice to know where dave is is thinking to to place these i mean if it's in the mandoverse obviously he would have had to have worked with john if it's all ahsoka you know that's that's more on him but i do feel like we 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 definitely need the mando season four and i i also think we need another season of ahsoka before we get the big crossover i think the other season of ahsoka could potentially be turned into a movie better than Mandalorian season four, but I would still prefer a show. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out, but I, I'm with you there. There's a lot of pieces to still be moved in place before we can have this end game to close out the era. Exactly. I mean, you know, we, we have to see the essentially what, what would be like the reformation of the, of the Imperial remnant, like coming yep. under one leader again, and yep. that leader is Thrawn, you know, like Lars said, tidying up the shop. So if there's any outliers in terms of those, you know, regional types of warlords, a la Gideon, if there's any other out there that, that may want to challenge Thrawn's rule. Enoch's coming for you. You know, then then we can see that play out in the Mandalorian season four. Um, and then... On the Ahsoka side of things, it, it probably is going to be primarily focused on like, hey, how do we get the rest of the crew back in because we have a big fight on our hands now, you know? Oh, like, and, and that little thing that Balin that, that was Balin, looking for. Yeah, that Balin oh, Yeah, just that, for, that so. tiny plot thread that is wide open now. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you need a season just for that shit. So yeah. Let, let, let's hope for the best. Really what it comes down to... Watch as much new Star Wars content as quickly as possible when it hits Disney+. Plus. We, we got to make Bob Iger feel warm and fuzzy and all special inside about his, his investments, even though it's, it's not his money. It's the company's money that it's made, and it should be invested wisely into properties that are going to give you the best bang for your buck. Yeah. Uh, clearly, I mean, dude, Marvel is ultra fucked now. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Majors. I don't know if anyone saw well, that, but he 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 got got. So now it's official. I think they've officially finally fired him from the yes, role as Kang. Yes, been... And Kang was literally the Thanos of Phase Four, Five, and Six. So I, I yeah. And I they, mean, don't worry. They already asked John Boyega, and he told him to go fuck themselves. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Marvel. Like I said last time, Mar- Marvel needs to take a, take an extended hiatus. Like Marvel needs a full break, at least a year, more than likely two years with no theatrical releases. 
and you need to sit down and you need to figure out what the what your vision of the Marvel future is because I'm going to tell you right now like the Marvels is not going to be the only box office disaster that you have with that franchise if you don't reset if you don't take the time to put thoughtful work into this franchise moving forward and you know I think that the time off that Star Wars has had I mean granted it's not true time off cuz there has been a a a steady uh, you know, a steady timeline of releases, even after the 2019 movie release with Tross, we've still had content coming out every year since then. But there has been a relative pause on the, you know, the Star Wars cinematic universe that that has given the four the exact, years, buddy. Yeah, four I mean, years today, I think four years today. I do think that that is accurate. And um, you know, it's given the the executives and the creatives and the people in charge. Uh, of the Star Wars cinematic universe time to really reassess and understand like, where do we want to take this, this universe moving forward? And like, what is our five and 10 year plan? Because that's kind of what you need for, for what has now become standard for franchise films, you know, being a cinematic universe. I think that Marvel did a good job with that for phases one through yeah, you know, ten years. It was, it was ten years for the for phase one through three. Yeah, it was two thousand eight to eighteen. So they had a good ten year plan and it executed perfectly. Their yep. their their next ten year plan not not so good, not so awful. Good. So fucking terrible. Like you 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 burn up all the goodwill at this point in time. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker. I still go to these, but it's it it's not the event that MCU movies used to be. I mean, I no longer have to worry about ordering tickets early. I know I'm, I could get tickets day of, and it's still going to be empty theaters. I also know that I'm not going to be blown away. I'm probably not going to experience a lot of emotions because we don't have the through line through all these movies anymore. It's, it's very scattered brain, but I'll tell you what, dude, I think the next Star Wars movie could literally be, you know, Star Wars, rock, paper, scissors, and it's going to make a billion dollars because I don't know how you're feeling, but I, the four years has already been long enough that I am jonesing to go see a Star Wars project at a movie theater. So whatever that is going to be, now it's probably back to the, the Daisy movie. I'll be there day one. I think it's going to sell out. I think it's going to kill the box office just because what you're saying with the the whole absence makes the heart grow stronger type of thing. Yeah, I mean, trust me, my fingers are crossed and and everything that that happens. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. It really you, comes. You think even the weight is not going to be enough oh, to no. get people to see Star Wars again? I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it is because. I mean, you're working, a, you're working in a landscape where like getting anybody go, to go to a movie theater now is like pulling teeth, like even for huge releases. I mean, this, what if Timothy Chalamet is in it as Wonka? So that's what I was going to say is like <laughs> at, previously in Star Wars land, like you could, you could make shit that had people that you didn't know in it. And that's kind of how Star Wars was from the beginning. I mean, you know, none of the people in, in the original trilogy, aside from Alec Guinness, and then you had a little bit of, of, of panache behind you with Carrie Fisher because of her parents, but like Mark Hamill and unknown 
Harrison Ford was literally a carpenter, a carpenter on fucking, you know, like on movie sets that, that George Lucas was like, I want you to be in this film, you know, American graffiti, boom. And then he, he comes into star Wars and then he turns into the biggest actor of that time. And then if you look at the, uh, the, the prequels, I mean, Hayden Christensen was in Hollywood, but he was a relative unknown, like was getting good buzz for his acting for films like life as a house and stuff like that prior. Um, and then you're really your biggest actor in that film was probably you and or in the prequel trilogy was probably you and McGregor coming into it. Aside from, you know, in in McDermott coming back as as uh, Palpatine, but he's a, you know, a holdover from the original trilogy. Liam Neeson. God Le- damn it. Liam Neeson. Yes. Liam Neeson definitely was a name, <laughs> but he was also in and out. So you can't. Well, like, even Ewan. I mean, well, Ewan's biggest movie prior was Train Spotting, right? Yeah. It's Train Spotting. Which honestly was still kind of niche. It wasn't it was, like some. It was very indie. I mean, this is before Natalie Portman really blew up. You know, like this is before Black Swan. This is before all of right, her, like, right. Her she had just done the, the, the professional or something. Yeah. Like Leon, that with- Leon the professional so like and and if you look at the sequels sequels again like who oscar isaac was your big your biggest star i mean nobody knew john boyega he had done some stuff some like smaller projects attack the block and uh daisy ridley was essentially an unknown like she had spots on tv shows and stuff like that but nothing big oscar isaac was like your big guy and even for him I mean, he was in what, like Ex Machina, which was again, like a more of like an art artistic film, very well received. But oh, I, know, no, I love when he like starts dancing, doing his creepy dance towards the end. Right. He's I mean, it was yeah. a fantastic movie, but nobody knew him. Now here's like now movies are made by the people who are in them. Like people like because our, our, our culture and our general stance towards like popularity is based off of the influencer culture and who is in it and who's behind it and what name is in it. I mean, that's why this Wonka popped off for sure is because of Chalamet, you know? Um, and I think that star Wars may be considering now, like, do we put somebody in it that just garners the attention? Because I don't know if like we're at a point now to where the brand itself does not hold the cachet that it once did, you know? I, you're, you're making an interesting point. It, it just, I got to remind you about the Mandalorian season three and some of its cameos that backfired. But it's a bit TV. On the fan it's, base. I'm going to tell you right now, it's TV. Like okay. the people who watch TV are us. Like we're the people who watch TV, and people like us are going to complain about the Jack Blacks and the Lizzo's and stuff like I that mean, because we white, think white men are angry. You like, are correct. But it's even. It's not even just the white men of it. It's the. It's the privilege. <laughs> It's the privileged Star Wars fans who feel like, well, you you are degrading my Star Wars by putting these people in it. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, dude, you're in somebody's fucking basement. And like, like what you need to realize is that, like, if we take a, a hard look at the Star Wars cinematic universe over the last 20 years. And we go back to 03. 03 is post AOTC right before yep. uh right before Rots comes out. Star Wars is not looking great, man. Like people are complaining, people are people can see now that the prequel trilogy is not play, like paying out to what they expected it to be and it's it's a little weird. 
So now if you look at the Star Wars universe in 2023, you had the OT, which is unquestionably the best trilogy out of all of them. It's not even close. And then you have your, your, thank you for saying that your theatrical releases are the prequel trilogy universally panned. And now 20 years later, just starting to get love from the people who grew up with it. And then you had two movies from Disney that released TFA and rogue one that released to, to general critical acclaim and fan praise. And then everything after that people shit on. So it's not like Star Wars has this cachet of being like this untouchable reputation. Like the last theatrical releases, (laughs) like I'm going to be the only one waiting in line. The most recent theatrical (laughs) releases just didn't do it for people. And it's not like it was like a one-off thing that people didn't like. I'm talking about a, a 20 year history of movies that have come out that, that like fans and critics alike have been mixed on. So it's not like people are thinking of it you know, like back when episode one came out, even back when, when AOTC came out where it's like, well, everything has been a banger from star Wars. So this is going to be a banger too. Like that's not the feeling around it anymore. And if that's how they're approaching this, is that like, Oh, well we're hitting theaters again. So the, the billion dollars is coming back. Like they really need to re reassess how the brand is looked at now, you know, like, it's like now you have people complaining about the TV shows. It's it's not even like the TV shows are all sunshine and rainbows from the critics and from the fans. Like people are are mixed about the TV shows and they really fan need base to understand. To be a part of, huh? <laughs> like, but that's every fan base. Like every there's no fan base that isn't like that. But we are like sports fans. There's no, like any sports fans that ever tries to down talk a geek or a nerd. Just remind them they're doing the same yeah, shit. It's like you're, you're talking about this running backs yards per carry yards right. after first hits that it's, it's like just, you're a fucking loser nerd too, dude. Like theirs is a little more rooted in, in reality, I guess. But yeah. you know, fans are like my team or the guys that it's like, Hey, and I'm, I'm a nut job sports fan too. So I ain't, yeah, I so. ain't ripping on him. I also don't like geeks are like, Oh, sports and throwy ball stuff. That, that you sound like a jerk off when you say that type of yeah, stuff. It's like, look, just be like, I, I, I don't like sports. Don't, you don't have to be like, Oh, it's the, Oh, you're going to go watch the ball. All sport. Oh, is that where they steal bases? And <laughs> the, clearly, they know what football's about. They're just trying to be a fucking dickhead. Yeah. So, but yeah, it goes I mean, both ways, people. All, all that to say that I am hopeful that when Star Wars comes back into theaters, that it can recapture that that like billion dollar magic that like somehow made it all the way through Tross. And I mean, like Tross made like it, it crossed a billion. It, I think it made one point one worldwide. It was the lowest. It was the lowest. Other than Solo, obviously Solo was the know. lowest. You're probably right. Just just the state of the world and, and how things are going. I mean, th- th- there's a chance we won't even have movie theaters in America in 2025. Yeah, I mean, so. you know, like <laughs> who knows? It, it truly, it needs to be an event. And like, because of I'm the time be off, up. like the time off will definitely help give it that event feel to it. But like you have to look at the brand value now. And I think that I hope that's what they're doing. I hope they're assessing the brand. That's value. what I was going the, the, the time off, but yeah, you, you laid out some, 
some good cases on on why my nostalgia is probably blinding me yet again. I mean, all of us are going to go see it. That's for sure. I mean, like, you know, the people who watch the TV shows are going right. to go see the movies. That's that is that is for sure going to happen. But is that a billion dollar crowd? Is the no question. like like you've been saying we Star Wars can't keep getting new shiny things if it's just people like us supporting it that's what nick is saying yeah it it, it needs a larger appeal is that bringing in tay tay as a twi'lek like we've pitched on this humble little show or timothy chalamet as a rebel hero or a dark side user who knows but if if 2025 is still the the, uh, the date, they better they better get the shooting sooner than later, or that's now going to be pushed back as well. Because like Nick said, with trust, that they're already looking at the, the the less than 18 month or or just about type of release window. All right. Speaking of stupid shit in Star Wars. <laughs> Here we go. Remember last week we were telling you the the Hot Mike podcast is like, oh yeah, no, Mandalorian's going to be a movie, even though we didn't think it was going to be a movie when making Star Wars said they were thinking about making it a movie. Well, we're back to this shit. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here spinning out in the mud because it, it's just getting stupid at this point in time. It's like, who can get the dumber scoop first? Uh, so this is coming from our friends over at Bespin Bulletin. And what they're saying is like, look, According to our sources, that shit last week, that's bogus. Mandalorian Season 4, it's staying as a, as a TV show. It's not going to absorb any Ahsoka Season 2 plot points like we know Season 3 absorbs some of the Ranger stuff. And what else? It's going to start shooting, I think, February of 24. Yeah, February so. 24. For people that get into that type of news, which it seems to be a lot of people, because it's all that's, that is on Reddit leaks, and they get upvoted left and right. That there, there we are. There, there's this week's spin on the Mandalorian season four. So we're back to a TV series, shooting within the next month or two, probably still releasing like we told you many moons ago in 2025. Yeah, yeah. So and though you're you're probably also not going to mm-hmm. see homeboy's face it'll be just like season three where he gets paid a ton to do some voice work yeah i mean the the idea like and this is what i was saying last week it's like feasibly could they turn it into a movie yes it's gonna cost you more money though like it's gonna be it's gonna be more money to make the movie but you have the potential to make more money off of a movie but the problem is right now like the problem isn't the fact that like they, you know, they're worried about making money. The the problem is they're worried about spending too much money so that it makes sense that they wouldn't dedicate themselves to a minimum $400 million investment on a film. Like they, they're just not going to do that right now, especially when the numbers of people viewing the Mandalorian, the property that they were going to make the movie off of are in decline. Like you're not going to, you're not going to be like, so what have we seen since the Mandalorian has released? Okay. So all right. Season one, great number. Season two, good number, slight decrease. Season three, more of a decrease. You know what it's time for a movie. Like that's, that's just, you know, I don't think that they're, they're thinking that way right now. (laughs) 
Well, you, uh, Nick, you also got to, uh, I would imagine marketing costs oh, for yeah. a TV show are significantly Significant. less than a movie. Oh, yeah. Like not even not even in the same ballpark. I mean, if you think about it, the only marketing that they've done for their TV shows have been on their owned properties. In their owned properties, right, yeah. I like, mean, ESPN, yeah, social, ABC, social media, socials, like yeah. the stuff that is under the Disney umbrella. So like... You know, when Andor released on Hulu, it wasn't like, oh, look what Disney made a deal with Hulu. It's like, no, Disney owns Hulu. No. Like, right. So it's not like they're I, they're going out there. I don't there. think people understand how much they spend on marketing for a film. I mean, sometimes it's just as much as the movie. Yeah. I mean, you, you could be spending 150 to 250 million just to market it, especially if you're trying to bring it overseas to capture the the Asian audience. Yeah. And you know, uh, there's a there's a whole lot that goes just into the overseas. You have to find it. I mean, like, I'm sure that Disney has their own overseas dis- distribution at this point or they have a partner for it. But, yeah, you have to you have to recut all of your trailers. You have to get voiceover in those languages. You have to get those out on they like those channels that are popular in those countries. It's there, it's a lot of work. You have to figure that if you have a two hundred million dollar budget for your film, your marketing budget is probably at least a hundred million dollars. Like easy, <laughs> at easy. least. Because that's I, I was always like, well, Solo had to have made like like ten million dollars if you probably if you look didn't. at its box office take versus its its costs. But then you they factor in the marketing and nope, no, you, you yeah. can see how that the cost goes from two hundred fifty million to like a half a billion. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, okay. <laughs> so that's why Solo making. Uh, like for us, we look at solo and it's like, oh, it made, you know, three hundred and fifty million dollars. Three it made four hundred almost four hundred million dollars worldwide. It's like, yeah, but right. we also heard that the that the budget for that movie ballooned to like two hundred and fifty million because of all the issues that they had with the filming. They had to replace the director and all this shit. So it had like a two hundred and fifty million dollar plus just for production. That's not even cost for marketing. Like the movie probably lost at it probably lost at least 10 million dollars if not more like so yeah tough oh well so this week mandalorian season four is still coming to disney plus and then next week it'll be a it'll be a made for tv movie that comes out on hallmark like straight to the bin at walmart yeah movie type of thing yeah (laughs) okay it's time to have some fun. Or, you know, maybe maybe you could say, maybe you could argue that this is going to make you sad as we are going to start waxing poetic about Star Wars in 2023. Um, sadly, I don't think we got as much Star Wars as was initially planned thanks to the strike. But luckily for those that went on strike, took one for the team. Hopefully it's, it's better for creatives across the galaxy. But as we do every year, we are now going to recap our top, best, immaculate, whatever you want to call them, Star Wars moments of 2023. We timed it perfectly, Nick, because StarWars.com just dropped their best, so they had a nice graphic I could steal for them from them to use. So we have 16. Tell me we came up with, and at the end, just like we did last week, we will give you our personal top fives, because I know as humans, we can't just generally talk about things and agree on it. Someone has to be right. Someone has to rank a list. All right. But first, we're just going to go through the 16. Like I said, get a little nostalgic about the year. 
hear which ones might be pissing Nick off. Mm. Uh, maybe you'll get some insights into which ones made his top five. But for a year that, that like I saw, kind of saw the action get cut short with the strikes, it, I, I still felt like it was, a, it was a decent year for Star Wars across the genres. I'm talking gaming, books, film, TV, animation. It's been a decent year. Yeah. Business moves. You, you never know what's going to be on the list. So as we go through the, the 16, these aren't in any sort of order. The, the, you, as you'll see, they kind of follow the year timeline. That's just how my brain works. All right. We ready here? Give us our... Drum roll. There you go. I don't know what that was, but it's time to begin. Here we go. B-Mad's already getting in there, dropping his best moment. Ahsoka versus Anakin. Will it be on our list? Nobody knows. That's why you got to stay tuned in for the next hour or so as we go through the 16 top Star Wars moments of 2023. All right. Beginning with, Nick, we have a sad one. We do. Okay. And it happened early in the year. It happened in the penultimate episode of Bad Batch Season 2. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you are a commie and don't consume all Star Wars content because you think you're above animated Star Wars. Because we are discussing one of the most emotional Star Wars moments of 2023, and that is when Tech gives the order for Plan 99, which essentially means I'm sacrificing myself so you cocksuckers can live to win another day. So the first top moment for us, Bad Batch Season 2, Tex Sacrifice. Super good moment. I mean, it was right at the beginning of the year too, so having something like that as the as like the finale for uh, Bad Batch Season 2 really set a good tone for the rest of the year. And really, like to me, like this this moment was... Uh, I mean, better than a lot of the live action moments, just being honest. I mean, I feel like this was something that was very powerful, especially for those characters and for this arc and the story being told super, super strong moment for sure. Yeah. Like you said it, I mean, I know it's a cartoon, but th th this elicited real life feels in me. And I, I think it's because Tech had, and please, uh, please keep him dead. Please keep him dead. Please. Because if you don't, you're going to negate what I'm about to say. But I believe Tech had one of the most earned deaths in all of Star Wars. And if you think about it, a lot of season two was about building up the character of Tech, taking him from a protocol droid of a clone into a, a somewhat emotionally intelligent, caring clone. And a lot of that was done via his relationship with, with Omega, you know, them getting kind of marooned in that cave system, talking about their problems with Echo leaving. Tech really just became a full-fledged character in this season. And, and just as we were starting to get to know him better, he, you know, he, he punches us in the gut by, by sacrificing himself for his squad so uh, it, it was a beautiful death and uh, probably a, the biggest emotional moment in in star wars this year if you think about it yeah i mean i hate that we have to say i hope they don't bring him I, back I know, because I know. that has become 
such a trend in Star Wars that it's infuriating at this point. I just, like, I, I feel like it's going to happen. <laughs> I and, hate it. And I it's like, it. and I feel that way too, because the way he died is the way that every character who died has come back where it's like they fall into an abyss. You don't actually see him die. And like, I know they, they had his goggles, but his goggles could have flown off. Yeah. And, and it's I also mean, like, and you know that they're probably like one of the ideas is probably like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to take the empire is going to take his body and they're going to turn it, whatever, some bullshit you know, like use it for the cloning program or some crap, like turn them, like fix them and turn them back against his, his buddies. And like, ultimately while shit like that was interesting, you know, in the past, I think it's been overdone and it needs to right. not happen in this instance. Yeah, like, just, just leave him dead. I mean, we, we already saw the effect of him dying had on the remaining squad. They, they're, I mean, they all just were like, fuck it. We, we got to save our guy. It, they, they were so screwed by it. They let Omega get captured. I mean, a lot of bad shit happened at the end of Bad Batch season two. And it all kind of kicked off with with his sacrifice. And it, it, he needs to stay dead. It's just going to feel much more satisfying. Uh, I mean, like, let's exactly, exactly. It's like satisfying is a shitty word to use for this, but it will feel more satisfying knowing that like that moment meant something, you know, hundred percent like that moment. 100%. If the, if it, if it turns into another, you know, fucking Darth Maul thing where it's like, Oh, well he's dead, but yeah, he's not dead. Or the, the well, shit, the, man, they Palpatine they, shit, like all of it. It, it. it would be similar to how they, kind of rip the rug out of Vader's sacrifice with somehow Palpatine. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're talking about. Like you, you could cheapen Tech's death by doing something similar. So please don't. Yeah. So no, no more like from here on out from December 19th, 2023, Star Wars should no longer do the death fake out. You've done it too many times. It's played out. Every time somebody dies in Star Wars now, people are like, oh, well, they'll probably come back. Right. Like, or, they're, or they're just a force ghost, so no big deal. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> make death mean something. Death is be important. Mad, be mad saying he thinks tech is really dead. Be mad. I hope you are right. I just, I can't trust Star Wars writers anymore. So <laughs> you never know. It's like no one's allowed to just to be dead. Yeah. Uh, does that, I, know, I guess it makes people too sad. Who it's a fear. It's a fear. They, they do it out of a fear of losing that character because they're yeah. like, well, once that character's dead, we can never use them again. Even right. though like there are plenty of ways that you use a dead character, you just don't have to bring them back to life. <laughs> like if yeah, you just, really just, need just to just talk about them, they, they don't yeah. need to, or they don't Hey, need to be, Original characters. That's a cool idea too, right? Oh, yeah, that, that's strange. <laughs> new, new and original. Who knows? All right. So, so text death. First one up next live action mythosaur seeing the mythosaur for the first time. I think this was what episode three of Mandalorian season three din bunker boy. He's in there getting his bath and then just disappears, sinks to the bottom like a lead weight. And then Lady Bo comes in and as she is coming up, her spotlight hits the eye of the mythosaur. Yeah. I I mean, this to me was a monumental moment because the mythosaur has been a part of the Star Wars landscape for so long. I mean, this isn't a new creation of the new canon. Like the mythosaur legends have gone back you know, decades at this point and always being attached to the Mandalorian culture, whether it be through 
Boba Fett as it was first first introduced to us via the the mythosaur uh, symbol on his armor to all of the stories that were told in the old EU to the obvious stories that are being told now. I mean, this was something that was like, will we ever see it? Like, well, are we ever going to see a mythosaur in real life and then to see it and then to hopefully see it, you know, in an even more grand stature in, in Mandalorian season four or the properties to come after. I mean, it was a huge, huge moment for sure. Yeah. See, I, I mean, obviously it's on the list. I, I, I think for this year it had to be on the list. I think where my lack of like, Oh yeah. Mythosaur comes from me just not really being in the legends or, you know, the thinking he was Bozo, Bozo Fett before he earned his Boba Fett title. And as Nick teased at the end, I was expecting a lot more Mythosaur than than what we actually got. So it was a nice little tease. Definitely a big moment for live action Star Wars. But I'm with Nick. I, I hope it's not just an underwater scene. I, I, I you know, if, if Thrawn shows up to fuck with Bo on Mandalore, I want to see these motherfuckers out there being ridden and used in battle. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I, I really do hope that we get something like that, something like the Mythosaur in battle. I mean, we already had, like, one legendary Star Wars creature, um, you know, brought to life through the Mandalorian with the crate Dragon. I think that they've done a really good job of, like, setting us up for hopefully that eventual, like, oh, man, this was so fucking cool. Like, we finally get to see the mythosaur and all of its glory. And like, if it plays a, a pivotal part in this crossover film where you have, you know, the, the Mandalorians battling with this massive mythosaur amongst their, amongst their army. I mean, versus the, the forces of Thrawn and potentially Abeloth. I mean, that's, that would be some really awesome oh, stuff. Yeah, man. It'd be like some Lord of the Rings shit, you know, like, like, like the trolls coming in that the orcs are riding or something like that. It would be a visual spectacle. So, uh, I, I'm with you. Definitely a big moment for the year. I, I hope, hopefully we get a, a bit more payoff down. Oh shit. I saw your cat was fucking with you. Now here comes mine. <laughs> Leia. You get that little stinky twinkie down. You know, so I, I don't know, like, if you have any girl cats. I do, and she is fixed, but every once in a while, we we, we call it stinky twinkie time. Because uh, there, there's an odor that comes out of her rear end that I've never smelled on a boy cat. So <laughs> I, I can only imagine there's, there's, there's still something that these poor little felines have to, have to deal with. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. The Mythosaur. So up next, we have... Paz's last stand. So if we all remember, at least for me, the, the penultimate episode of Mandalorian season three was the banger of the season. This is when, uh, you know, the Mandalorians are back. They make their attack on Gideon's base and they realize that they've been duped and to kind of give them a chance to get out of the trap. Paz locks himself behind the door and takes on three Praetorian guards and ultimately falls to their purple vibro shits. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely uh, a super memorable scene from that, uh, from that particular episode, the last or the penultimate, like you said, second to last episode of Mandalorian season three emotional. I mean, we, we had like Paz went through such a journey. It's like, you hate him when you first yeah. meet him. 
you, yeah. you, you still kind of hate him when he comes back in and he's still giving shit to Din. And then you, you, you start to love him, especially with the fatherhood storyline in that we got in Mandalorian season three, all of that stuff. And then the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, it was a, it was a good death for the big man for sure. A hundred percent. I, like I said, it was earned. And, and as Nick said, very similar to tech Paz had dedicated character growth in season three. He really did. And that's why his, his death felt the way it felt. If, if he just stayed angry, Paz, ho huh, I don't like Din. Who cares? None of we would have been like, so what? But because he kind of showed that, all right, he's not just some big angry lug. This dude actually does care and has a value and belief system. His his sacrifice just hit 10 times harder. So Paz's death on our list for top Star Wars moments in 2023. Mm-hmm. Up next, we're, we're sticking with uh, Mandalorian, but we have Bo reclaims and reunites Mandalore. Yeah. All right. I mean, I know it's, it's, it is a moment. It's, it's a moment that kind of took a full season to get there, but that, that's kind of what we're getting at. Just seeing Bo's another character that had fantastic growth in season three. She went from pouting on her throne to reclaiming Mandalore, not only with purebreds, but the nut jobs. So she won over the cult as well. Yeah. So really Bo's journey was a top moment. Yeah. I mean, up to this point, like her full character arc has now been kind of fulfilled, you know, like Mm -hmm. from meeting her the first time in the clone wars until now her being the, you know, the one to reunite the clans to reclaim the dark saber and, and lead the, you know, I guess it would be the re, you know, the retaking of Mandalore from the Imperial remnant forces and, and, you know, starting efforts to make Mandalore home of the Mandalorian people again, like that was kind of her arc from when we first met her, you know, and, and now that that arc has been fulfilled, we, we do have some interesting questions about where the character goes from here. Are they going to, are they going to kill her? Like, are, is she potentially somebody that we lose in that crossover film? I know. Or do, do, does she go on to, to, you know, uh, reign, for a long time over the Mandalorian people. Like there's a lot of open questions now that she has kind of fulfilled that arc for sure. So Nick, I might have to, I might have to make a change to this entry. <laughs> Nova Toymation just reminded me. Screw Bo reclaiming and reuniting Mandalorians and Mandalore. The real best moment involving Bo Katan is the 2% club. The 2% hey now! club. There you go. Two percent are right here. Sign me up, Katie. Love you. All right, I like the, the two percent. Of course, I know what that means. <laughs> if you don't, look it up. Look, look up Bo-Katan and two percent. Guarantee you, within the first few entries on SERPs, you'll find exactly what we are discussing. But yes, Lady Bo-Katan makes the list for her heroic feats in Mandalorian season three. There we go. Up next. Up next. This is, I know Nick is happy about this one, but it is a valid moment for Star Wars to make the top list. And that is the death of the Darksaber. Hey, I was calling for it for a while. Okay. 
But I, I don't I don't pat myself on the back too often, but I was calling for it for a while. It happened. And I mean, really what it comes down to for me in this moment and like the significance of this moment is that the Darksaber itself has been such a, you know, for lack of a better term, a dark cloud over the Mandalorian people for decades, for, I mean, longer, I mean, centuries, you know, going back to, to Tar Vizsla and going back to essentially like after his death, what significance this weapon held and then eventually the ruin that it brought to the Mandalorian people. Um, you know, when you hold totems like this in high regard and like, this is the, this is the measuring stick for, for leadership and in, in where your society and, and where your culture will go. Only bad things can come from it. And that's exactly what happened to the Mandalorian people. They were slaves to this dark saber and what the will of the dark saber held and all of this stuff around it, this mythology around it. And for it finally to be, to be destroyed in battle, but you know, like it, it, it was time for it to go because now the, the Mandalorian people can move on without that hanging as a specter above them. And um, I'm and like, what I don't want to happen and, and God, please don't let this happen is, is the fucking Skywalker family saber moment. You know, like they, they reforge it, they reforge it. And now it's like, oh, it's back and it's different and it's new and blah, 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 like all has, this shit. But yeah. Look, there's a piece of leather wrapped around it to keep you know, it together. And I will go out here and say that I didn't think that the star, the, the Skywalker blade should have been destroyed in the first place. Like that, that truly upset me when that happened in TLJ. And, and it's not like, you know, whatever, that's a personal moment for me. And the fact that they reforged it, they did whatever, like, fine. I think that everything around the Skywalker saber that happened in, in seven and eight upset me, but this one with the dark saber, it's like, you, you have now made your choice that you are moving on from this. So let's not fucking throw some tape on it and bring it back. Let's, let's leave it where it lies. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, R.I.P. Dark Saber. Last just last week, I revealed that it's it's one of my favorite sabers. Just design that flat hilt, that that gnaw looking blade. But I'm with Nick 100. At least when it comes to how it's been used in the Star Wars narrative, in particular for the Mandalorian culture. Enough is enough. We yeah. we saw how it was holding them back. It's gone. Let's move forward. If anything, give, give, give them like a special set of armor if, if the king or the queen needs to wear that. We, we can't get into, as Nick said, this, this totem worship anymore. And I, I, I really think that point was driven home in season three. So I'm very rarely positive, but I do think it's dead for dead. If it does come back, Nick, I think it'll be for people that want to fuck things up on Mandalore, like, like dickheads, you know, like, like yeah. they want to, they want to try to undermine what the normal people are trying to build. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's not even for that. I hope that they have truly decided to like, if anything, pick up this crushed ass hilt and like throw it right it, into that big forge. Yeah, they just read yeah, whatever. Right? And then like, have it be something symbolic. It's like, we, we are putting 
back into the forge one of the original weapons that came from it or some bullshit like that like if you yeah, really yeah, yeah there to you go you, you melt off. down melt down the hilt and and you put it into some signets or something yeah like there that, that's that's all something. you need but you don't you don't need this thing to rule you any longer i'm with you so thank god it is gone but r.i.p it was a great looking lightsaber this is very cool <laughs> All right, we are out of Mandalorian, and this one might surprise some of you, but I I, I got to look at Star Wars from a global perspective, mm-hmm. okay, when we do the best of 2023. So up next is the introduction on Disney Plus of Young Jedi Adventures. Now, I will tell you, I wish this came out three years ago, because uh, it it's not quite hitting with my seven and a half year old who essentially is acting like she's already 18. (laughs) But I, you know, even our buddy Spencer, some other star Wars people that are now just, you know, having their own families and and watching it myself. It is a great fucking entry for young, young kids into star Wars. And if you're a, a lore nut and you love all eras of star Wars, but you don't necessarily feel like reading, it does at least give you a peek into the high Republic era and, and what the galaxy was like back then, what the Jedi order was like, so on and so forth. And, and last but not least, the character of nubs, this little blue guy, if you're on the stream is just a great star Wars character. He's, he's already kind of become the, the the mascot of this series much like a you know a chewbacca or a droid but he he happens to be a a jedi blue looking bear i, I forget the species <laughs> but nick just for the fact that we uh, lucasfilm has found a way to get even younger people into star wars hey young jedi adventures makes the list this year that i mean i haven't watched it but the importance of activating that age group and i know i sound like a a marketing executive because that's well, what you, my job you is. are i mean yeah that's <laughs> so, what you do so. but like but activate I, <laughs> activate star wars lifelong obsession exactly Go. like that's how that's what brings longevity like that's what makes uh a, a brand that could be around you know star wars could have been around for you know 77 to 83 that that could have been star wars that could have been the run but what happened was star wars hit with the kids and that's why matt is a huge star wars fan right now because he was in theaters and he saw uh rotj in theaters that's right and and you know that's why the kids who grew up in the prequel era our lifelong fans now because they got in when they were young and having content like this that is available for kids at a young age, especially at a time now where the theater side of star Wars has been less active, like having something like this where you can go from, you know, like the the free maker adventures on YouTube, then you get a little bit older. You can watch this. Then you get a little bit older than, Hey, then you can transition into you know, Clone Wars, you can transition into Rebels, you can transition into Star Wars Resistance and all of those properties. What they're doing with this style of content is building bridges between the age groups, you know, like starting when they're a toddler. And then now this is, you know, more ages, you know, like three to six. And then when they get older, they transition into the other stuff. It's it's building content that will keep people, Star Wars fans from 
the moment that they're, you know, old enough to understand what moving pictures are until they're our age, that's what their goal is. So creating well, content I, dude, like this is very important. Nick, this one you could argue could even get people in the reading about Star Wars, because if you want to dig into the High Republic Repu- outside yeah. of Young Jedi Adventures, all you have is words and shit. So it, it, one last thing on this one, I believe it's the first Star Wars show for kids that's about kids, too. That's that's one of the big difference. Like these are they're little Padawans. They're not already, you know, Clone Wars, 20 year old Padawans yeah. like, like Anakin was or what my kid got into initially it was literally Empire Strikes Back. But uh, was the Star Wars Forces of Destiny animated uh, yeah. shorts. But mm-hmm. even then, it was still the grown Yeah, you're talking Star about Wars adults, characters. and you just right. make them look cute for kids ex- to like. Ex- exactly, where this is, it's it's little kids, kids' situations that they can relate to. It really is a great program for the tots. So that's why it's on the list. Yeah, 100%. Good call. All right. So... Sticking with uh new release, not necessarily a new release, but a follow-up, but kind of a, as a whole, just like Young Jedi Adventures as a whole, Star Wars Vision Season 2 is a best Star Wars moment in 2023 as a whole. Not any one in particular episode, just the fact that we are getting this alt Star Wars content created from, you know, both Western and Eastern studios, from, you know, animators versus traditional uh, you know, filmmakers, TV show producers, whatever you want to call it. And it was another very wildly unique look at Star Wars and what it means to different fans across the globe. Just, I can't speak highly enough about Visions and about the impact that Visions should have on Star Wars. And I, I say should because I think that there are opportunities within visions that are not being taken advantage of. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little context behind this. I loved vision season one and season two for its content. I think that it was some of the coolest content that star Wars that has been branded star Wars in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and the reason why I think that is because If you look at how Star Wars has been developed over its lifetime, there's always been a almost like a reverence to George to a degree that that becomes a little bit restrictive. Like even if you look at like the sequel trilogy, like if you look at how the sequel trilogy was developed and executed, it was essentially done to mirror what George had done you know, in the past, in the 70s and 80s. George was sending Luke to exile too, by the way. So like... What you're doing in that situation is like, yes, you're building new Star Wars content, but there is such a reverence for the older Star Wars content that it can be restrictive. It's like you don't even want to break the mold of how they were made, much less, you know, the the characters and everything else and the archetype and the storytelling. It was all very similar. But with Visions, you are handing over that creative license to a, to a group of people who enjoy Star Wars but who have their own lens of Star Wars through their own culture and their own, like their way that they consumed it. And it gives so much more freedom of expression through the Star Wars lens than what we have seen 
I mean, because up until the sequel trilogy, the only person who had ever touched and approved Star Wars was George. Like, for, you know, what is it? I mean, when did the, when did the Clone Wars season six end? Like, the, the, the official final season of Clone Wars under George. That was, what, 2010? 2000? Like, yeah, 11, 11, something like that. 10, 11, probably, because so, he sold in 12, right? Yeah, so I think it was 2012 it was sold. So, like, you, you essentially had 35 years where the only person that, that had Star Wars stories told was George Lucas in a way. It's like, yes, other people wrote it, but George had to approve everything. And it was really for the first time in the sequel trilogy. I mean, like you could argue that like Star Wars Rebels was really the first one that was like George wasn't super involved in it. But like, it's only been for the last 10 years or so. Yeah, that but his, his disciple created exactly. Rebels though. So like, exactly. <laughs> he, he, he pretty much was. So like George was there in spirit that whole time. But with exactly. Visions, you have all of these creators who have the ability to make Star Wars the way that they saw Star Wars and the way that they want to see Star Wars. And it just gave, like to me, it breathed a breath of new life into the totally. franchise. And like, the other thing that is just of paramount importance, and this is going to go back to what I do, is exposing Star Wars to cultures that have been less interested in it. Like Star Wars in the East is dead. I will tell like, go look at box office numbers for when Star Wars releases in China and Japan and in India, Eastern cultures. They don't give a fuck about Star Wars. But what Star Wars Visions did, especially season two, was, hey, these countries that haven't had, haven't seen themselves in Star Wars before, not only will you be able to see yourself in Star Wars, we're allowing you to make a slice of Star Wars for yourself and get these cultures and get these people who have been historically uninterested in Star Wars interested in it because they can see it from their perspective. They can see their culture in it and how they grew up in Star Wars. And that is of paramount importance when your goal as a company is to grow a brand beyond the current borders of it. And that's where Star Wars has always struggled. And that's what Visions has done is it's exposed Star Wars to that. And the opportunities that they should be taking with Visions are looking at these very popular individual episodes and saying like, hey, we can give this studio an opportunity to make an eight episode season. To yeah, make like a that, full that one from season one where we are like, oh, yeah, we let's go finish yeah. the story. Let's fucking go. That's how it should be. Like it shouldn't just be a a a playground for other cultures to tell stories within their Star Wars, like uh, tell stories of Star Wars within their culture. It should be an opportunity like an audition for these studios yeah, to say like, like, like hey, a Genesis point for exactly. their story. Like you made some awesome ass Star Wars content. Now we're going to give you money to make an entire series out of it. We'll make it, let's make a full season. And not only will we make a full season out of it, we're going to allow you to make it your culture first. So it's going to be made in your language. It'll be made in Japanese. It'll be made in Mandarin. It'll be made in you know, whatever other languages are out there that, that have a popular episode, we'll make it in your language first and then we'll have the English dub for it. So it feels authentically that culture. 
And like, I feel like the follow up hasn't been there for visions and it should be. Yeah. Something's weird there. They, they seem to just want to keep it as shorts based only in rotate studios every yeah, year. I, I, don't, I don't even know if we had a repeat studio from season one. I think we, we may have had one. I'm not sure, but there was one, there was one studio that did two episodes of season two, I think. But like, and for those of you out there who are like, well, why would this like, whatever, like, why would you do that? Like, think go of it woke, this go way. Go broke, Nick. But think of it this way. <laughs> you are a kid who lives in, uh, where like you live in Bangladesh and you've I, never. I was going to say New Delhi, but Bangladesh New, works. Like anyway, <laughs> like, you know, like any of these Eastern cultures, like any right. of these, like these large scale Eastern cities. And you've never seen Star Wars before, but you got to see the one episode of Star Wars Visions that was made by a studio that's from your your area. And you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Where can I get more of it? And then you look up more Star Wars and what is it? Oh, it's a bunch of white people running around doing white people stuff. And it's, it's a Christian savior complex. And that's what the whole story's based off of. And you're like, well, I really like this one thing, but like the rest of it doesn't really resonate with me. It's give these people the opportunity to grow an affinity for Star Wars and do it in the way that is important to their culture. And like, I just, I just never understood why, like, why season one wasn't like, all right, these are all fucking bangers. Everybody loved it, critically acclaimed and praised. I think it won awards. Like, all right, well, let's that's, take what, that's what B Mad's saying here is like, hey, season one was was better, but still appreciate both. Yeah, seasons. it's so like you are. They they had momentum to build on that first season. And I just, like, yeah, let's. I don't we'll know let more people play. I feel like there was a ball drop there and, and you know, there's still opportunity to do it, but like, dude, and I you, haven't heard anything on a season three. So it, this yeah, experiment I mean, might, be it might be over, over. sooner than it started. Yeah. I mean, it so. might be over. It's, and it's sad because I really do feel like if nothing else, even if you didn't do what I just said there, it's like, make these culturally like make these individual seasons or series that are based off of these cultures and stuff oh, like I that. It. You could have it. used the idea like you could have taken ideas from visions and used that to incorporate into current storylines or into, into storylines that, uh, you know, that are currently running or like make a new series based off of, you know, one of the more popular ones in, in, in America, like there's opportunity in visions and I feel like it's been missed, but you know, what, what, what can we say? Well, we've, we've established that <laughs> there seems to be a lack of brain power over yeah. at Lucasfilm these days. But yeah, I mean, Vision Season 2, excellent. Nick, he made all the great points. No need for me to take up any more hot air. So we're going to move on to our next one. I know Nick's not going to like this, mm. but I, I I struggled with this one. I'm talking about Jedi Survivor. And, and if you've listened to this show for years, you understand why Cal Kestis and I didn't get off on the best of terms. He's milk toast. That's what I've called him. But I will say the reason Jedi Survivor and, and Cal and BD made my top list or this top list of, of 2023 is because I, I do truly feel like the sequel was just so much better than the original on every front. Uh, the gameplay, you're still never going to get me to talk positive about the gameplay in the Jedi Survivor series. But the, the story was a lot better. It looped in some High Republic stuff, brought in some nice betrayals, other Jedi survivors, 
Cal got pretty fucking dark towards the end and, and where things are going, it could be a, a, a very, very dark close to this trilogy. So for the changes that matter to me, which is mostly story and character, Jedi Survivor somehow found its way on my top Star Wars moments of 2023 list. Um, I know you didn't play it yeah. and, and you probably don't have a lot of positives to say for it, but I, I do think as a moment this year, it's worthy of the list. Yeah. I mean, it's a limited star Wars year. And to be honest with you, like I just like, I'm at a point now to where like, if a game doesn't pop out to me as something that I'm super excited about, I'm just not going to buy it. Like yeah. it, they're too ex- I mean, like, it's not like I'm broke, but it's like, I'm also not going to spend $70 on a game that I'm just purely not going to play. Um, and with Jedi survivor, I'm glad that the story got better. I, I had no desire to sit through of 20, like even 20 hours of gameplay for that game. Like it just doesn't interest me. Um, and you know, may I watch a YouTube video on it at some point? Maybe, but I also feel like they're really fucking grinding this era into the ground like, and I'm talking about this, like post episode three, pre episode four era, like, and I know that there's some new story that they're weaving in now with all of the, uh, you know, the alien races and may that link back to, to what we're seeing now in Ahsoka maybe, but like, I'm just, I'm over the, the in between prequel and OT timeline. I'm just kind of done with it. He's had enough. He's Mando verse or bust or pre- it's Galat- just like pre uh, pre TPM. I mean, bust. how many like we've now had we, we've had there are three TV series that are taking place. Actually, more than that. Let's let's rattle off everything in Kenobi, between Solo, Solo and Rogue one Rogue One. So that's four. And then you have Clone. I mean, Clone Wars technically season seven comes to that point. B- bad Batch. Bad, bad Batch. Batch. Rebels like how much more shit do we need in this time time, like this time period? Like I understand that there's an infinite amount of stories that can be told, but like there are, you are working in a galaxy that has boundless time for you to tell stories in. And for some reason they are stuck on a 19 year window in between two movies. And it's just like, it's getting to the point now to where I just don't know why they're doing it. Like what, what else can be told that is going to be that monumental? And I'll tell you right now, it's that OT magic. Like, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. Like, I just don't get it. Nostalgia. I mean, they've, they've tried to change things and, and the fan base shits on their faces. So easy, easy money is to stay, stay in your hated 19 year window. I, I will say the story survivor doesn't really, it's not so much rebels v empire it's more what was happening to force users you actually loop into the beginning of the uh, jedi underground that's explored in the kenobi series and then like i said the obviously the the high republic ties and what the jedi were up to back then that stuff was different even though it's it's set in the the timeline yeah. that, as Nick said is overused i just said right. like if you're going to tell stories about that timeline about like, oh, we're going to tell stories about the High Republic. Do it in that timeline. Like, tell those stories in the High Republic. That's why I'm so excited for Acolyte. I'm like, oh, wow, we get to actually, like, see some stories about the High Republic 
in the High Republic. How? Whoa! What a fucking idea. <laughs> What if Cal Kestis time travels back oh in the acolyte? Gosh, it's like, I don't like, even... Hey, the only reason this is happening because what I did before episode four. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I I don't know. There, but it is one All of right. those timelines that's been like Well, well let's, let's get it off the screen. We, we don't want to give you an aneurysm <laughs> before Christmas. Okay, next moment here. Three new movies announced at Celebration Europe. All right, now, will we ever see any of these movies? Who knows, because they've announced a lot of things, that official stuff, and it just kind of disappears. But just getting some hope, bringing lovely Daisy back, putting her on stage in a hot red dress, wheeling out Dave and Charmaine and James, it felt like, all right, maybe we are getting a bit closer to being able to put a butt in a theater seat again to watch some Star Wars. Yeah, I hope so. You know, that's always the hope is that there's a plan in place to get it back into theaters and get it back into theaters in a meaningful way. And I think that, you know, we've just had so many false starts to this point that it's so hard for me to like get my hopes right. Yeah, up. I, like, like I said, I, I can't put too much stock in this, but just as a pure moment, it, it makes the list for that reason alone. I, I just all three movies sound very interesting it just will they actually see the light of day i have about 20 percent confidence at this point in time. yeah it's like if honestly if one out of the three gets made i would be happy you know which one would you want then if that's the case if i had to pick any one of them god like if i had to pick any one of them it would be the mangold one honestly because it's so because so untouched yeah like, because it's untouched and then like once something is there, then you have, then it opens up everything else, you know, yeah. like once there's one piece of content, like one piece of like eyes on content, like TV show or movie that's in an era, you have now established that era is ripe for development. And as much as I'd be, you know, as, as much as I am rooting for more content, in the post Tross era. And I would be happy to see a Daisy movie. Like if they go back to, you know, origins of the Jedi, Dawn of the Jedi, and they, they establish that as an area for development. I would be happy as a client. Oh yeah. I mean, just, just that look, look at that blank piece of paper they would have. Exactly. Everything, everything would be new for everybody, both the creatives and fans. Cause I, I was, when I asked you that question, I was going to answer it for myself. I was like, oh, probably the Dave thing, because I want to see how Mandoverse plays out. But the more I thought of it, I was like, you know what? Unlike the way I felt during the, the prequels, where I felt if I would die, that my life would not be complete, seeing the culmination of Anakin Skywalker's turn to the dark side. Now, I probably should have just died. It would have been <laughs> better than what I got. But I can honestly say I don't necessarily give a shit what happens these days in the Mandoverse, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking, because I know none of it really matters because we still have the sequel trilogy to to adhere to. So yeah. I think you're 100 percent correct. Yeah. It, it, it's got a James Mangold's movie is the only answer. Yeah, I mean, when because you, of how fresh it is, it it literally forces people out of George's universe. You know, like. Everything that's been done up to this point, you've had to have an adherence to what George created, you know, like there, there was nothing you could do about it. Even in like in the Mandoverse, like you're still bound by it. Like, 
even, you know, if you look like the Mando verse as it is now is a consequence of everything that George wrote for the original trilogy. Like if you go to Mangold's area where you're 25,000 years out from anything, it doesn't fucking matter what George wrote. Like what, what, what happened in the OT has no bearance on what happened 25,000 years before it. And it literally forces people to say like, it's no more, it's no longer what would George do because uh, everything that he wrote is so disconnected from that time period. It is now like, what do I want to do? What story do I want to tell? And it's not like, well, how is it connected to this? And does it pay homage to this? Like you get to forge your own path. So I'm with you. All right. Moving on here just for the sake of time. But the uh, the arrival of Balin and Shin as new Star Wars villains is a top moment in 2023. It's, it's not even any particular scene. It's just them entering the Star Wars universe. Balin, to me, fucking right up there with Darth Vader and, and Shin is just so intriguing through her her silence and the mystery behind her eyes. I, I love what Ray did. I loved what Ivana did. They're they're just fantastic villains, and I hope to the force that we do get payoff on both of their journeys. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent agree. Um, you know, Balin, uh, his character entry into Star Wars has been monumental, and I think is one of the best additions to Star Wars canon. You know, since. I mean, like, re- like really for me, like since Darth TFN, Maul, maybe, I mean, like I like Maul. Yeah. Maul. But like, since it like to like, because I like TFA so much and because I look at TFA in a bubble, like it, it's the biggest moment since TFA for me. And Got like, you. it's, it's such a huge, like, and where his, his story progression has taken him to is a, a very interesting part. And I'm, uh, I, I really do hope, like you said, they can pay homage to, the character yeah. that Ray built in the continuation. Of the I story. guess, I, I mean, as Batch trying to make here, I guess that is the one thing I probably care about the most is <laughs> Balin and the, the Mortis shit. Cause yeah, it's very, it's, it's, it's kind of new. It's very new for live action, but it really gets into the, the mysticism, spiritual side of star Wars that, that I like to dig into. Uh, and it's a shame. These two motherfuckers don't have hot toys yet. How do you give Maroc a hot toy? over Balin's skull or Shin Hati. (laughs) Give me a break. Okay, so as you can tell, we've moved into the Ahsoka timeline here. So Balin and Shin. Balin makes another top moment, and that is his duel with Ahsoka on Setos, which if you remember our conversation when we broke this episode down, we both waxed poetic on how this was one of the most artistic, true to... George's samurai inspiration duel in all of Star Wars. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's that's why it it is also on this list. This is a, just an ultimate moment for me, honestly. Like this is one of those moments that just sticks out amongst everything, not only this year but in recent memory. You know, like oh yeah, yeah. Like to me, like as much as Andor was lauded as like, oh my God, this great thing. Like, to be honest with you, I don't even remember that much from that series. Like it was, it was good for what it was, but like I could have like, you know, 
I, I forgot about most of those storylines pretty quickly because those characters are ultimately all forgettable aside from Andor and from Luthen. Like Balin Skull in this one scene became an unforgettable character immediately. Like who name three other people from Andor that had any impact aside from Ke- Andor Kino and Loy, Kino Loy, 100%. Like the, the one way out episode, everyone's going to remember that besides you. I, 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 I do promise you that. It, but you, you weren't high on Kino in that episode from the get go. So it's not like you're just being the way that, that that ended was just the most nonsensical <laughs> way to end a character. Like I'm, I'm going to stay on the prison that I'm escaping because I can't swim. It was the, it was the worst written ending One for that character out. that they could have done. One way out. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah they're I mean, shouting it, at the whole time they're shouting at the whole time and he doesn't realize he's going to have to jump into water. <laughs> like it's the stupidest writing for that character uh, that could have been done. Like, well, hey. <laughs> Like it was so you, bad. You asked the name of character. I got I got one out. You there. got but yeah, one. I mean, you got one yeah, out no. there. But yeah, this um this is one of the best Star Wars duels in the in the franchise. It, not just because of the flashy stuff, the dialogue, the way they size each other up. It's a, it's a ballet. It's a dance between them. And of course, Ray just takes it to another level. So yeah, I, I'm with you. This is a fantastic Star Wars moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another one from Ahsoka, and you know how could we not talk about this? But the the whole fifth episode mm-hmm. easily is a top moment of twenty three, if not a top moment in in Star Wars history. It, it just from Hayden's performance to the phasing in and out of his two personalities. Uh, live action Clone War scenes, live action Rex, uh, Ariana, whatever, Greenblatt is young Ahsoka. Everything was just titties, okay? Uh, him coming out of the smoke, Vader, Anakin, Vader, Anakin, blah, blah, the fight. You know, choose to, to live or die, the lesson he gave her. It, it, it's just peak Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, it was it was really good. It was something that we were all waiting to see and and that we were all like really excited to see once we knew that that Hayden was back in the flesh and he would be, you know, back in Ahsoka. I think this was something that like super highly anticipated and definitely didn't let down on the anticipation that led up to it. You know, it it gave us everything oh, yeah. that we wanted from that scene and it really like I mean, if you look at the impact of it, it truly reignited Hayden Christensen's entire acting yeah, he, career. Literally, I think Nick he he either reactivated his agent or he is he's he's put a sign that essentially says "open to work again." No, yeah, now. like he he has re-signed with an agency and has literally come out and said that like his experience working with Star Wars again has reinvigorated his desire to act again which it's i mean fun. It, it's a full it, it's a it's a full circle moment for him right yeah because star wars killed his desire to act maybe without even his choice he was just hey no opportunities are coming your way because you were anakin skywalker in the prequels or he was also like fuck that shit i took it on the teeth i'm raising a family i don't need this right now i i can live off of my anakin shit for a while i'm gonna take a break and maybe it was a mix of those, but now that he's returned, the fans gave him the love. We're actually seeing him being directed properly and given good dialogue. He's like, you know what? I I I am the guy that was getting Golden Globe nominations before before George Lucas destroyed my ability to act. 
I can do this shit. And you know what? I'm pretty fucking good at it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, th- th- this whole episode, not only for Hayden's life, but just for Star Wars, it was kick ass. It was. Up next, we have sticking with Ahsoka. And this is a wonky graphic, but Summer had it done, so I didn't have to make it. But I just appreciated, and I know Star Wars fans did too, getting live action versions of Thrawn, Sabine, Hera, Jason, Ezra, and Zeb. Pretty much the core Star Wars Rebels cast Mm -hmm. brought into live action. I guess Kanan via the picture if you caught the quick glimpse. But, you know, that, that's, that's big shit. I, 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 I doubt there's many people sitting here today listening to this stupid show that would be like, oh, yeah, I always, I always knew we'd get Star Wars Rebels in live action. It, it, it's a pretty big thing that happens, so I, I think it's worthy of a moment. I mean, Hu Yang live action, Ryder Azadi live action, and then, of course, Tic-Tac-Toe, <laughs> Zeb, Hera, Sabine, like I said. So yeah. a little, little bucket list stuff for hardcore fans. I mean, it was great to get to see all of the squad together in live action. I think that um, particularly, you know, the people who played the heroes did a really good job of, uh, of capturing the essence of those characters and, and really embodying that in the show. Um, and you know, who Yang is obviously one of the standout, he may be the standout star Wars character of the year. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, I have no, if, if you were to put that out there, I wouldn't argue against it. Like, the, the way that that character was translated in the live action and, and, and how seamless that experience was and then the interactions that he had with the other cast members was just fantastic at every turn. Like, it, there was no moment of Hu Yang on screen that I was like, you know, you probably could have left that one out or this it could have been done better. I think that they nailed it with that character and its translation into live action for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's another one just like, hey, come on, hot toys. How do you not have this dude out as a one, six scale collectible? Yeah. I mean, we come need, on. we need to let we need him, Balin and Shin. And then I think I can be happy. All right. So yeah, all our live action friends have made it. And really, I mean, think about Iman. He is Ezra. I don't know if anyone's been following him on on socials now that he's allowed to post. I mean, he, he's out these cons just doing God's work. He's fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, t- Nick doesn't like Tic-Tac-Toe Thrawn, but I think Lars was perfect. Zeb, too costly to, to get another peek in Ahsoka, but he looked great. Hera and that apple bottom, my goodness. And then obviously Natasha Sabine was excellent as well. So great casting. Hopefully we get to see these characters. We know we'll see a few, at least in, in Mandalorian in the movie, but hopefully we return in full for Ahsoka season two. Yeah. All right. This one might throw some of you for a loop, but it's because I'm, you know, I'm just an intelligent type of thinker here. But this next moment, I have to put the, the Star Wars live action music composers all together. And, and really for this year, that was Joseph Shirley for Mandalorian with a little help from Ludwig, Kevin Kiner on Bad Batch season two and Kevin Kiner, I believe his brother on Ahsoka. So overall, Nick, I, I felt like all three of these properties had excellent scores. 
Bad Batch, I can remember we talked about like, you know, there's like some Indiana Jones themes when they're in the temple. It just kind of nailed it. It, He felt it felt very John Williams s. Then we get Mandalorian and and we've always liked the music there, but they give us that Adelphi bass banger that Joseph Mm -hmm. Shirley and Ludwig worked on. So that stood out. I mean, it's such a great tune. It is on my good stuff playlist. Yes, I have random Star Wars tracks on my real life good stuff playlist playlist and then to top it off we get Kiner's work on Ahsoka which is Williams level like let's be real if you listen to some of those episodes if you listen to the theme song the end credits song Kiner channeled John 100% but the cherry on top again with this series Nick we got another banger in Igyaka Sabine's intro music just another kick-ass track so I, I had to, or we had to tip our hats here to the live action Star Wars musical composers in 2023. Job well done, because without the music, I don't think Star Wars resonates nearly as much as it has um, with the music. No, I mean, you're 100% right. And I like what people may not realize is that like Star Wars did kind of have a little or like you know, when, when Star Wars was starting to be made again under Disney, when Williams wasn't involved, it was a little sketchy. Like if you like Rogue One is lauded as the best Disney movie, but like you can go back and like the tracks that aren't Williams's and Rogue One just kind of blend into the background. They don't, they don't Bro, just watch the title track dude, thing it's, where, it's they, where they show Rogue One. It's like, dude, it's it, like it, what is this? It was awful. <laughs> and like, uh, like that, like as for as good as Rogue One is, and it is fantastic. Like the music in that movie was questionable when it wasn't using like repurposing a Williams theme, and like Not lying. it it took him a little while to figure out like okay like what is the what is the identity like we can't just straight up rip off John Williams like yeah we can use all of his other stuff and yeah John did all of the uh you know all of the soundtracks for the three Skywalker films for seven, eight, nine, but like all of his, all the other stuff was like, they were kind of figuring it out. And like, you know, they, they got lucky with Ludwig on Mandalorian and then Kiner coming in to really fill that gap for the more orchestral. Exactly. You know, he's more the traditional through line, the John where Ludwig, I mean, he's, he's like a fucking hippie. Yeah. Like that. I think that guy, I, I, I'm just, alleging this i don't know for a fact but i'm pretty sure he's probably on like spirit walks 90 percent of his week yeah like he's you know what he, i mean like he, he's he's either on ketamine cybacillin mdma something yeah i mean he is a very creepy like he uses instruments and not even just instruments implements very creatively in his music and you can tell like he was the perfect person for more of a tribal feel for the oh, Boba yeah. Fett and the Mandalorian. I mean, song. go, go listen to the, the Adelphi bass track. I, I believe it's got a fucking didgeridoo in it. That, uh, that, yeah. That's like didgeridoo in star Wars. It, it's fantastic, but you are right. Kiner, especially in Ahsoka, I feel like he's, he's tapped into some William shit. Yeah. Now he, he gets to cheat a little bit. He can use some of the, the themes, but I, I think he's finally figured out like, all right, I, I'm going to dabble, but I'm going to make this my own. This is going to be a, a, a Kiner composition, not a, a, a Williams tribute. So yeah. I, I just, I, I had to highlight these 
talented musicians in 2023. For sure. All right. And this is our last moment before we give you our top five personal rankings here. And it is the word that Dave Filoni has been officially made Lucasfilm's chief creative officer. And he told us specifically that he will now be involved at Inception to provide guidance, anecdotes, tips, thoughts, uh, canon references, you name it. This, this can only be a good thing for Star Wars stories moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean... We've always thought from the, you know, the story group that there was some sort of guiding force behind (laughs) all of the Star Wars uh, being made at that time. But, you know, obviously there wasn't. And it is good to know that the person who is now the official, you know, lore master of Star Wars essentially is the guy that George Lucas handpicked. For that job, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it kind of you know, makes kinda sense. Kind of, it's like the 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 business, the suits over there finally made a decision that that had like some effort behind it, some yeah. research. They're like, oh, hey, George Lucas loves this guy. He's essentially George Lucas too. Yeah, now, maybe he should guide the stories. Holy shit! Now, as you say that, we all have to remember. We got to get away from George everybody Lucas. hated fucking George Lucas. Yeah. Like, do, do we not remember? I just want to put this. I'm not saying anything about Dave, but from 2005. Oh, dude, until people he already hate it, Dave. People already hate Dave Filoni, just like George. Don't yeah. worry. It's already happened. Bro, but here's here's what I'll say. It's it's fantastic that we have somebody in this position and it's it is well needed because there is too much. Star Wars information out there for there to be no guiding force. So we need one. My reservations, I, and I, I'm super happy that it's Dave. I just want to put it like, I'm very happy that it's Dave. I would rather it be nobody else. <laughs> uh Oh, here it comes Dave. And this is what we're seeing now has the tendency to get two in the weeds. And he has a tendency to focus on the minutiae, which all of us like, and people like us love the minutiae, but people in the general public do not like the minutiae when they don't understand what it is. And the only thing I'll say is that I really hope that he he does not get too heavy-handed with properties that are meant for large-scale consumption. Because let's be honest, Ahsoka is not meant for large-scale consumption. It is a show that is entirely based off of a cartoon series that not a lot of people watched. And that's why not a lot of people watched Ahsoka because they had no understanding of where the content was coming from. So all that I want from Dave is just the understanding of where the minutia should be used versus where it shouldn't be used. Because that's what killed the prequels for a lot of people is that's what happened is like, we're talking about trade disputes and some bullshit and like blockades and all that crap. Like, dude, I love trade disputes. I watch C-SPAN. It's <laughs> like my, my, my go-to channel. Background. But like, <laughs> that's the politics. only thing I'll say is that like, 
he needs to understand where the different types of content should be used and how it should be used. Yeah, Cause not everything needs to go everywhere. And we also no, have to no, be prepared right, right. that like, if these new movies don't turn out the way that we want them to. Oh yeah. Like calm down well, everyone. Remember you, like, what are you going to do? Like Remember. you can't yell at Kathleen anymore. Like you, people have been v- more than happy to yell at Kathleen Kennedy. If a movie comes out now that Dave's in this position, are you ready to yell at him with all of your fervor and hate? Oh, like, 100%. Just be, like, he, he's he's going to be under a bus sooner than later. No doubt about it. it. It's Star Wars after all. All right. So there you go. Those are our top 15 moments of 2023. Now for the important part. Let's keep score. Who was right? Who was wrong? Here are our personal top five, starting with young Nick. Obviously, we already went through why these are important to us, so yes. we're not going to to riff on those. But at number five, Nick's five, Death of the Darksaber. A new future yeah. for the Mandalorians. That's all I right. have to say. Makes complete sense. He's, he's had enough of that fucking toy. <laughs> Nick's number four, Visions Season 2. I think he had a great uh, case for that that he laid out earlier. If you're just tuning in, make sure to check out our um, segment where he really goes into why Vision Season 2 is on his personal top four. Indeed. Nick's three, The Mythosaur Reveal been waiting for it since i was a kid finally yeah, got he's, it he's a book reader i am not so this was a big payoff next to tex death so far the best executed death in recent star wars history so far Agreed. yeah i think <laughs> I, I think you're right i think you're right paz paz is up there but paz not as good there. as tech and then nick's number one It's Balin and the Sea Toast Duel. That's right. I mean, I said it when we went over it, but it was just like, it's one of the best Star Wars moments I've seen in a decade. And it was just, it gives so much hope to the storyline for this character. I'm talking about Balin in general. And then just like, it showed to me that there, people at that table know that they're like how to ignite the star Wars fire. And I think that that was this particular scene was how you do it. And that yeah, was it kind of makes me want to add Ahsoka to my uh, winter holiday rewatch. We'll see maybe at least episode four through eight. Yeah. Or, or for Nick, it's easy. He just it's watches just, up to episode five. And I just watch stops. up to episode five and then that's it. And I was like, man, and then He's everything done. went exactly how I thought. Right. It would. Yeah. His, his, his Ahsoka season one ends on a cliffhanger. She just, she goes into the whales and that's it. He doesn't yeah. know what happened after that. Yeah. All right. Moving on to my top five. I will tell you, we share one entry. There we okay. go. So Matt's number five, Floney made real CCO. Matt's number four, Star Wars live action composers. I'm just, I'm a music junkie. Music is the, the art form that does it for me over anything else. Cinema comes in number two, but I don't think when we're talking about art that music can affect me more than any other um, version of art. Um, so I love it, especially Star Wars music. That shit can make me weep in seconds if played at the right time, the right song. Matt's number three, Balin and Shin. Again, just fantastic 
Star Wars characters. I hate to even call them villains, even though that's what Dave called them, but they're just great additions to Star Wars. They felt fresh, unique, imposing, and badass. Matt's two. Matt's two. Tex death. So Nick and I threw our dyad in the force, lined up our number two pick. It's like playing tummy sticks together. (laughs) And then number one, Ahsoka episode five. I I just like from a hardcore fan standpoint, a lover of Star Wars lore standpoint, it didn't get much better than this for me in 2023. Plus, I love seeing humans being redeemed and and seeing Hayden being appreciated for this iconic character is excellent to behold. Oh, yeah. So there you have it. That's the SWTS Top 15 of 2023 with the bonus Matt and Nick Top 5. So before we say goodbye tonight, or this year, in fact... We still have our last fan segment of 2023. If you're new here, let me explain it. We have two ways for you to get involved every week. The first way is through our question of the week, which we pose on Instagram at StarWarsTime.show. The other way to get involved is through the top five, which we will be talking about here in one quick second after we get through everyone's special questions. So, uh, Nick, this week's question was themed with our special topic. What is your top Star Wars moment of 2023? Let me see if I can actually get the damn thing to pop up. There it is. All right. All right. Take it away. Kicking off the responses for this week is our good friends, Tones1138. He says... Uh, definitely Anakin's and Qui-Gon's return as force ghosts. Yes, indeed. Seeing uh, Liam and Hayden back in force, uh, force ghost form was what super the hell? Awesome. I don't think, I think Liam was last year, but we'll, we'll give Tones yeah, credit like, for that yeah. one. He, he, he snuck it back in there. It's all right, Tones. We know yeah. you're, you're one of our older fans. We get uh, it. It's Okay. <laughs> All good. Uh, Next up, Sir Dork says, I just did a Mando S3 rewatch and man, I enjoyed it so much more on the rewatch and I loved it the first time around. It's honestly a huge achievement for TV. Each episode feels huge and looks incredible. A lot of story and character moments didn't meet everyone's expectations for this season, but after a second watch, it all flows quite nicely. There you go. So, There's some homework for everybody. There we go. You got the Ahsoka rewatch. Now Sir Dork is demanding a Mando rewatch. That's right. Uh, League of Extraordinary Sixthers says, I think it's no secret to many here. It's Ahsoka and Morgan Elsbeth for me. Swoon. Oh, yeah. She, she League loves those, those women, in particular Ahsoka's back muscles. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Next up, Ripic Tan says... Honorable mentions for me are live action Zeb, Bo Katan's. We had it. We had it. But specifically, her fighting the Golem slash Grievous with the Darksaber. Didn't have it. Anakin fucking Skywalker. Check. Then he says, but my top moment is little Jason Sindula feeling the force, hearing Uh the sabers during Ahsoka episode five, The Shadow Warrior. That was so well done. 
I like yeah. it. Ripick Ripick took the assignment to heart, laid it out there, but picked a a moment, so that's appreciated. Fantastic. And then two to close it out. Two seven nine seven studios. Our good friend Bat says, "I'll go with the return of Anakin slash Hayden." Really gave us what we've been wanting or what we've been waiting for and opened the door to a lot of stories. The the real, the real version of Anakin Skywalker. Thank you. Finally, finally. Thank you. It took almost 20 years, but we got it. And then (laughs) BXL underscore toy photographer says, I love Ahsoka. The cliffhanger ending was not what I thought it would be, but I really enjoyed the characters and designs. There we go. Thank you all for the responses to the question of the week. And now we will be moving into the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. To get involved, add tag at StarWarsTime.show on all of your Star Wars Instagram posts. That's how I see you to pick out the top five. Also, when you're going through and you're making those Star Wars posts after you tag, make sure to hashtag, hashtag Star Wars Time Show on your Instagram posts as well. That'll dump you into all of the different ways that Matt looks for uh, creators to share on the account. So make sure you do that as well. 170,000 plus uses of that tag. So go ahead and add yours to it. Um, but Hey, Nick, I think yeah. my system is hearing us because the ads right now are for a Corby, your partner for Latin marketing. <laughs> oh like, my god! Like, what is going on here? They know what that Star is, Wars needs to connect is, with the with their Latin fan base. What is going on here? Marketing, Adver- internet marketing. They can hear Nick and all the services. buzzwords he's dropping. Apparently so. They're, they got me. Yeah, they Bat is right. This is the last top five of 2023. Last job, top five Bat. of Didn't the year. Here we go to kick right, it off. Let this him rip. Week is none other than somebody that we just brought up in the question of the week, Ripik Tan. Jesus, you'd think Ripik's a part of the show at this point in time. I mean, he makes his presence known He kicked things off with a, a good question, then he, he gave us a response to our question. Now, Nick is praising him even further with a top five selection. That's right. And this one here is... Uh, it's actually kind of like like Ripick said. It's a, it's a bit of a Christmas theme when we got the green lights with the red skin here of Darth Maul. Uh, so we see Maul here in all of his zombified glory, brought back from the dead by the Night Sisters. And this is how I take it. This is you can see that he's got his robot legs um, here, and I, oh, yeah. I take this as that this is one of the moments right after that he you know he got those robot legs from. His uh, his night sister friends, and he's he's still on Dathomir with all of the night sister magic around him, and that's what the green is around him. So, I just thought this was a cool shot uh, of Maul as he uh, makes his presence known again in the galaxy. Yeah, no, it looks great, but really, what what's moving me is the the caption. This is Ripick's three years in the hobby, and I just remember my time in it. Like I was, you can ask Nick. I was knee deep yeah in toy photography I, I mean to the point where i'd be editing shots every single day posting two shots to instagram every single day and ripick's not wrong it is a fantastic community i've just i've like just died i've i've, I've died out of it and maybe we'll work on, it on 24 but good job here from ripick underscore underscore tan that is right next up. My, my account is dead by the way haywood pop literally hemorrhages users every week it's just like 
that thing was almost 7,000, Nick. I think it's at like 5,600 now. Hey, you know what? Go back to it when the passion comes back to there you. There you go. That's right. You know, look, look, look at this one from J J Prex SK. Yeah, though, huh? I mean J J Prex J P Rex underscore what SK. However you this? say it, it's some fantastic stuff. So what we see <laughs> is it's almost. I don't want to call it a mashup between Jurassic Park and Star Wars, but it kind of is. So what we have is Darth Vader, fully fledged in full armor, lightsaber ignited. Standing right next to a full scale, fully grown T-Rex and like leaning over, roaring its its loudest roar you can hear. And Vader just there giving it a nice scratch on the chin as it roars. Imagine the uh, the, the carnage that Darth Vader could impart upon the galaxy if he had a T-Rex at his side. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's I what mean, it, JP Rex is giving us. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the caption says strongest allies, and yeah. I agree. It'd be awesome. I mean, Vader riding atop a T-Rex with the little T-Rex arms, throwing his lightsaber at people. It, it would be fantastic. I, I would like to see Vader on a T-Rex versus Boba Fett on a Mythosaur. Yeah, 100%. Right, Give me go. the Vader T Rex crossover right now. Line it up. I, 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 I got Vader easily winning that duel. Fantastic. Because I'd imagine Mythosaur is a little bit bigger than a T Rex, but. Yeah, harder Vader, to maneuver. At least yeah, with the T Rex, T Rex is a little easier to maneuver. <laughs> Vader makes up for it with the dark sides. But exactly. it was just a great mashup there from J Prex underscore SK. That's right. Next up. Star Wars Rick giving us the only two memorable I was gonna characters. Say, there, there's your two Andor characters. There Nick. we <laughs> are. The only two memorable characters from Andor, which are Cassie and Andor himself and Luthen Rael. And we see these two making their way through an Imperial facility, killing Luthen, some stormtroopers. Luthen's just doing some cold-blooded just shit. Not, too. not even just looking. Just yeah shooting them right in the face as they're laying on the ground <laughs> that's right make sure they're dead exactly um just good posing here by star wars rick good use of the characters from andor um and just i mean hey it's potentially something that we could see in season two and an actual assault by cassian and luthan on some sort of imperial facility you, you would think so they they finally at the very last moment Cassian decided, you know what, buddy, I'll, I'll team up with you. So, A, you don't kill me, but B, I finally believe in this shit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm excited to see these two in action, and I don't think you're wrong. I, I think we will see them on a mission, and shit's probably going to get hairy in season That's two. Right. That's right. Hopefully so. So good stuff there from at Star Wars underscore Rick on Instagram. <laughs> Here's my... Next one. I mean, 97 parsecs photography. I can't, I can't blame you, man. I mean, it's just, that's who 97 is. They're, yeah. They're one of the top. They are. They're one of the top. It's hard to not put him in. And, and the thing is, too, with 97 is, for all of you out there, 97 tags us in all of his shots. And 97 is just working all the time. Like Robert puts yeah. out a photo, like at least two or three shots a week. How many hours like. a week do you think 97 uh, spends on this hobby? God, I can't even imagine. 97, maybe, maybe that's where he got the name yeah. from. <laughs> like Truly dedicated and, and, and keeps growing one of the bigger accounts out there. I remember, I mean, it's weird how involved you and I have been in a lot of these people's toy photography lives. Because a lot of people we talk about, Nick, we 
we saw them come on the scene yeah, and we've watched them grow and develop their skills and it's wild. I mean, he, just like Ripick. I mean, that's another one. Yeah. I remember seeing them at zero. Now they're up to like 41, 4,100 and now 97. I, God knows 20K. what they're up to. 20 yeah, it's K. Just, well deserved. It's wild. But I mean, the shot we're sitting here jerking ourselves off over is a great Balin and Shin taking on the Empire mud troopers in a trench. It's just so damn well done. His lighting is always perfect. His posing is even better than his lighting and his setups are very thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's hard to like critique 97's work. I mean, the guy has truly become a master of this craft up there with, you know, some of the, the, the Mount Rushmore's, you know, up there with Sir Dork and one six shooter and plastic action. And, you know, all of these just like legendary toy photographers i think that it's not out of the question that 97 parsecs is in that conversation with those people i mean his skills are just next level so just fantastic i would work. i would buy a a coffee table book of of this person's dude toy I, honestly like that's like i i do wish that some of the toy photographers in this community would do that because i think that there is a you know people like us would buy it and there are people that are you know, fans enough yeah. of the artwork to, to buy something like, I want like that. Big glossy pages. Another one that comes to mind and, and they don't always post star Wars, but brick Panda brick Panda is Yeah. Brick Panda. One. Nick, you, you should go look at their account now. Cause they just were, um, I think stepped through all of Lord of the Rings doing famous scenes in Lego. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's so fucking well done, but I know we're, we're off track here. Back to this 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography a true champion of the toy photography art form. Indeed. Uh, and to close out the last top five of 2023, crazy, is articulated plastic, articulated underscore plastic on Instagram. And what we see here is a shot of the dude. It's, My it's, man. it's the dude, the Darth Vader, <laughs> the guy that started it all. He is Star Wars incarnate. And it's just a great shot of him in his standard, like menacing pose, lightsaber ignited, that like that signature grip held out in front of him. Uh, and I mean, honestly, just this shot of Vader looks awesome. I know that there is a first order trooper in the background and, you know, we can ignore that for the time being. Um, but this shot of Vader is just like, it encapsulates Vader and his hold, the menacing presence, the the overwhelming power that is within his hands, and just that that awesome that awesome look. Yeah, so. it's just this is why I love Darth Vader. I mean, look at him; he looks fucking awesome. He, he really is. I, I know I, I sort of had a little bit of an affair these past few weeks mm -hmm. with with Malgus a little bit. Yeah, as yeah. I look at my my Malgus doll, he is pretty awesome, but he's no Darth fucking Vader. And I'm with you. I wish you didn't point out that first order trooper because <laughs> I'm a weirdo and I'm really having a hard time right now comparing <laughs> these two I together. Just know, like I just know that these these little baby dolls are expensive as fuck, and this dude's probably like, "Do I want it?" Like yeah, I don't I, have. Hey, a listen, it's yeah, still a great got. shot. It's it's my man. He looks like Vader. He's doing the old, you know, uh, the old force choke. It, 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 he looks great. Nice nice framing on that helmet. Beautiful face. He's such a cute little guy. I love Darth Vader. That's right. 
Um, so that's it. That's the end of the top five. That's the woo end woo. of our show. And that's the end of woo Star woo. Wars time show for 2023. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and close us out? Will do, Nick. It's been another great year, the SWTS. I'd have to look at AWS to see how many episodes we put out, but I believe we got right up towards 50. So almost an an episode a week, even some of the weeks we we took off. We still had some content for you. So hopefully you're still digging the SWTS. We need you to bring as many more people as you can in 24. We ask every year. And we do grow slightly, but obviously it's never enough for my narcissistic Star Wars ass. So um, keep them coming. Best way to do that, promote the shorts we put out there. Just let people know that, hey, the one guy's kind of fucking nuts. So he may say some wild things and use colorful language, but that's how real people talk anyways, right? I mean, we don't. Uh, we're not trying to pretend that we're goody two shoes here, but I also think the people that don't swear are a little more concerning than people that do. All right. Take that to heart, my friends. You can't trust people that don't talk like sailors. But anyways, as we say goodbye to 2023, don't forget StarWarsTime.net, best place to send any new fan that you would like to trick into listening to the Star Wars Time show. We've got our social links there up in the top menu. We've got our subscribe to podcast buttons in the sidebar. We have a whole damn page that you can go to just to sub to the podcast. All that we ask that if you do decide to join in on the SWTS fun, be it podcast, be it YouTube, be a good fan. And that means give us $20 every Tuesday through Super Chats. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Really, we, we don't give a shit about the money. We, we care about the numbers, the feedback, the appreciation. Okay? Keep it coming. Comments, shares, rinse and repeat. Make fun of our clips we put out there that strangers make fun of. Come to our aid. Drive the algorithm. All this stuff helps us more than you will ever know. Just remember, there's always time for Star Wars time. We're never going to let you forget that. And we're also going to remind you and anyone new that if you listen to the show, which some of you did just right now today, the Force will be with you. Always.